And good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into Hoopsville. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA NABC studios. Welcome to the show. We are ready for the NCAA tournaments. Congratulations to the 100 and what is it? 26 teams, right? Are that right? Yeah, 26 teams participating in the tournament this year. We certainly uh, wish them luck. It gets going tonight. If you are listening live, last chance to get in your picks to the... Uh, Bracket challenge. This is it. Last chance. Last chance. Calling it out now. Actually, I'm going to go into it in the next hour and finish off. Double check that I like my men's. Of course, the women you have till tomorrow. But finish off the men's tournament. I I, I think I might change a few picks here and there. Uh, but we shall see how it plays out. If you, uh, hope you're going to enjoy this show. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. You name it, we will try and cover it for you here on the show. We also have a number of guests on the show tonight. Um, it, I somehow lost track of time today. It's been that crazy a day. But we hope you will uh, join us and enjoy the show. Uh, obviously, we are on our way to Indianapolis and and Salem, Indianapolis on the women's side via Capital University, who will host the semifinals. And on the men's side, we are uh, on our way to Roanoke for the 20th straight season. Uh, well, they'll hand out their 19th championship. Remember 2013, we went there for the Elite Eight and Final Four, and the championship was in Atlanta. That's what we're redoing in on the women's side this year. The women, excuse me, a little bit of a cold. The women will play in Indianapolis 16 days after the semifinals in women's uh, in, at Capitol. So that's how we're uh, doing all that and playing it all out. Um, hope you uh, hope you've gotten ready for this. This is this is the fun part of the season. This is when things get crazy. To be completely honest, anything can happen. Upsets can certainly happen. Um, who knows between. Um, now and by the time we crown a title, if anything's going to go is what they call chalk. In Division Three. I don't think there's chalk to begin with. But we shall see how it all plays out. And, of course, it gets started today on the men's side. Harden-Simmons versus Texas Lutheran will be starting in uh, less than an hour if you're watching us live. And on the other side, uh, it will be Whitman in their first-ever tournament against Chapman, that game at Whitman. That will take place uh, at 10 o'clock tonight, Eastern Time. It's a little less than three hours if you're listening to us live. That's all how it comes up uh, for us. We will track the other game as it goes along, but obviously it will not be done by the time we get off the air. However, we will be talking to their head coach. Coming up on the show, we will talk to Chris Cars, Craig Cars, apologize, of Harden Simmons. He's only been on the bench for six games this season. That's a that's a significant significant in uh, thing. Uh, the first three games, last three games so far, we will talk to him about that. Actually, he will talk to us. We talked to him earlier because we will not talk to him live in the hour leading up to the show, certainly. But he talked to us about the experience, and and clearly it has made a difference on him. We will talk to him momentarily, actually. Also coming up on the show, uh, we will talk to another first-time team in the NCAA tournament. Neither, not that Harden Simmons or TLU are first-timers, but there is a first-timer. It's UC Santa Cruz. The Banana Slugs women's team is uh, in Texas. We'll talk to their head coach, Todd Kent, coming up on the show. Then we'll talk to a Stallworth, one who has actually hosted three straight opening weekends. Montclair State's 
uh, head coach will join us. Karen Harvey will join us to talk about her squad and what they can do and if they can do any damage this, this tournament. They're actually 4-0 in the last two years, 5-1 and in the last three years in the opening round. This will be, the, again, third straight opening weekend coming to, the, to Montclair. Then we'll talk to Johnson and Wales women's basketball. Um, the men's and women's teams for Johnson and Wales made it, and the women got it as an at-large. Interesting question is whether the men would have gotten it an at-large. We'll see how that uh, – I don't know if they would have or not. I do know, and we'll talk about this in a moment, that they were regionally ranked pretty nicely. Now, if they had lost, would that have shifted? I, I don't know. But the women will join us and talk to us. We're looking forward to having them on the show. Then we'll talk Middlebury men's basketball. The Cinderella team are the Panthers. Uh, didn't have a great start to the season, below 500 in the first uh, roughly half to third of the season. The last half of the season has been another story. Panthers have been on a roll and they have uh, tore up the NESCAC as the four seed, winning the conference title. They are on and allowing the NESCAC to have four teams in the tournament. We will see uh, how they will do this weekend, but we'll talk to Jeff Brown in the meantime. Then we'll take a sidestep, talk to uh, a team that's not in the tournament. Their head coach, Charlie Brock of Springfield, will join us in the NABC Coaches Corner. Charlie Brock, uh, a board member for the NABC, will talk about the significance of the NABC, why more members should join. We will hint at the fact of why the All-Star Game may not include some players this year due to the ties of the NABC, so on and so forth. Uh, we'll also get his take on some of the teams up in New England who are in the tournament. Then we'll get back to basketball action and talk to uh, St. Norbert men's basketball. Um, Coach Gresh will join us here on the show, talk about his Green Knights and uh, their chances of the tournament. Of course, hosting for the second time in a row with a familiar team, though they're not one that they had faced last year. We'll talk to him coming up here on Hoopsville. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. It's all scrolling at the bottom of your screen. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. By the way, I want to talk about the Hoopsville fundraising campaign. It was supposed to run through Sunday. We extended it through tonight. That was a major, uh, we, we made one, one minor, it was a major step, but a minor setback. <laughs> the major step was getting it through tonight. It allowed us to achieve the goal. We reached our goal the other evening. I want to thank those who donated, including a university president on the Great Northwest. Thank you so much for your support of what we do, helping us get over the goal so we keep more of the money. Two notes. We should have let this go through Friday because we have found that the archives are rather successful in getting you to donate. However, while the campaign will run out tonight, which will allow us to now take the, the time to get our money, which we'll get in about a week's time, and we get to keep far more of the campaign's money than we would have if we had not hit the goal, uh, you will still be able to contribute for a little bit longer. We will leave it, quote-unquote, open for a few more weeks uh, and then close it down. That will allow anybody who wants to contribute while the, the, while the postseason continues to do so until the year is out. And then uh, sometime in late March, we'll officially shut it all down. Um, so anyway, if you want to, again, you can get information on our website. It's on, it's, if you're watching our show, let me think this through. Uh, it should be, yep. It should be over here, maybe a little bit down in that corner. You should see a, uh, a window there to be able to click on and donate to the cause. Uh, a couple things coming up on the show. We'll also feature a video late in the show, um, or maybe we'll no late in the show. We'll get it in late in the show um, from Whitworth, uh, the 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 Wizard of Whitworth, talking about George Valley. 
terrific basketball player, uh, featured recently by the local television station up there. I thought it was a good enough show, uh, story to, to feature here. I did not know the man is a magician. He's been in Las Vegas, and clearly they've had the, 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 the reins on him, or it would have been trouble. But we will talk. We'll get a feature of him. Also, I will go through the final uh, brackets for the final time. I, I got a tease of what I expected on Monday. What I will do through each quadrant of each of the brackets, I will give you who I think gets to the final four. I will tell you who I think will be the surprises and who I think will be the disappointments. Don't overread the disappointments. There's always a disappointment, and it's not because a team is disappointing. It's just that you may have had high expectations for a team, and they may not live up to them um, for varying reasons, and usually the bracket is to blame. But that's all coming up here on Hoopsville, along with a lot of guests, as you noticed at the beginning, and we're all going to cram it in to about two and a half hours. Uh, lots of us are on our way to, or will be on our way to uh, uh, games. Right now, my plans are to take me into Ohio. I have actually changed my plans probably a half a dozen times this week in my head, but it looks like, barring any changes, and the weather has been a little bit of a of a stumbling block coming up overnight into tomorrow in my area. But if everything goes according to plan, I will probably head out and be in Ohio. My gut tells me maybe John Carroll and Marietta is the, I mean, that's the plan. But if anything weather-wise derails that, Friday will maybe just be a flat-out no-go or a last-second change in another direction, or I'll sit at home and then go somewhere on Saturday instead. We'll all figure that out, uh, as it were. Um, I know Pat is hitting two different sites. I know Gordon, I think, is heading to New Jersey. Um, I believe Ryan, our Mid-Atlantic guy, is heading to, to Catholic. I know other of our writers are heading out to sites. We hope to have as much of this covered as we can uh, feasibly uh, as it were, as well. And of course, we're heading to Salem on the men's side, Capital and Indianapolis on the women's side. By the way, back to the fundraiser quickly. Seventy-seven hundred plus dollars have been raised. Why don't we make it an even eight thousand? If not an even eight thousand by the end of the night, make it an even ten thousand. Hey, why not, right? All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get going here. We'll talk to Harden Simmons before they take to the floor. Um, tonight against Texas Lutheran, and then we'll start getting into some of more coaches out and about as well. Again, if you want to ask us questions at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Did I just see? No, I'm sorry. got deked out by something. I apologize. Um, so there you go. So let's get rolling, shall we? Uh, up next, Craig Karst joins us from Harden-Simmons. Talk about why he's been missing from the bench, but at the same time, why his team has rallied around that and the fact that they may be pretty dangerous next year, if not in this tournament this year. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. We'll be back with more Hoopsville right after this. Well, hold on, Zach, folks. I'm, I'm trying to double-check something. Now, now, Now we'll get going. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. 
There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division III schools offer academic scholarships instead of athletic scholarships. This really puts the focus that the student-athlete needs to maintain that GPA. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division III. A lot of people pick schools just based on the sport and don't get that experience. Being a Division III athlete and developing my leadership skills has definitely put my name out there and helped me get more recognition on campus, but more recognition nationwide. I did win the Jostens Trophy, which is based on leadership, academics, and then how well you do on the court. I'm also the Schwartz Scholar of my class. Schwartz Scholarship is basically a scholarship that is given to a student who's identified as a likely leader. And the other day, it won't matter how they play on the field, it will matter how they do in the classroom. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we get ready for the NCAA tournaments, I am your host, Dave McHugh. Of course, Hoops Open by D3Hoops.com. And you are watching us from the WBCA NABC studios. You've got questions for us? Tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Uh, email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Reminder, today is actually the last day now of the uh, Hoopsville campaign, fundraising campaign. We extended it through tonight. Made a mistake, should have gone through tomorrow due to all the people that listen to us on the archives. Uh, but if you happen to be listening to the archives, we have unofficially extended it. There's a period of time that we can kind of keep it going without it um, being part of the goal. Long story short, go to our website and you'll get more information on how you can donate. If you've got questions, you can certainly email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. All right, so we're going to get going with some of the previews here of teams that are in the NCAA tournament. And um, one of those is playing tonight, uh, getting going um, with uh, their first game. Of course, it's down in Texas. It's Harden-Simmons versus Texas Lutheran uh, with the rights to fly to the Chicagoland area and play Benedictine on Saturday. One of the teams in this game is Harden-Simmons. This is a team that I know I was voting for early on in the top 25. Ran, on some, ran into some tough times, but is now kind of surging. It might be because their coach is actually back on the bench. Missed most of the season, and he's a friend of the program. So we figured we better go talk to uh, Coach Craig Carson. He joins us on the Hoopsville Hotline, presented by the City of Salem. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Thank you. Uh, it's really good to be here. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time, and I'm sure it feels good to be here. You you missed all of seven games this season uh, due to health reasons. It's great to see you back on the sideline, but, man, that's got to be a challenge you were certainly not prepared to, to tackle. No, I, I actually coached in the first three games of the year and then didn't coach uh, anymore until the conference tournament. So um, I actually missed 20 two regular season games and uh, got to coach uh, the three games in the tournament. So I feel very blessed and very fortunate. I should clarify seven games. If we count tonight's game, which by the way, we are not, (laughs) we are not talking to coach uh, before his, they play in a matter in less than an hour. We are not talking to him live. We did pre-tape this ahead of time. He's got better things to do uh, 45 minutes before a game than chat with us. Um, 
obviously, coach, you know, the health concerns are health concerns and, and, and they can they can do wonders to everybody in all walks of life. But what's it like to have to be uh, kind of not be on the sideline? I know you kind of were hanging around the program a little bit when you could, but how hard is it to not be on the sideline, not be able to make decisions at the bench, not be able to groom and guide these these men through games uh, through a bulk of the season? I think that everything has a purpose, and uh, I think we were very fortunate to uh, let these uh, young people who have been with me for three years, uh, the, the, the bulk of them, the primary group, and we had Adam in Costa Rica this past summer. Uh, I think it was great for them to mature and to be able to deal with some adversities because the day of our uh, home opener uh, is, uh, at shoot-around is when I uh, decided I better go across the street to the local hospital and uh, ended up a little bit later that evening uh, in surgery. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we flew after that game. Uh, flew, I'm sorry. Yeah, we flew. We drove after that <laughs> game uh, at 930 uh, late into the night to Seguin uh, to play Texas Lutheran. And uh, naturally, while I was in recovery, the kids were on a bus on their way to Seguin to play Texas Lutheran. And in that home opener on Tuesday, our point guard, Christian O'Neill, was injured and didn't make the trip. And we were uh, beaten by Texas Lutheran in overtime. And uh, so uh, the kids picked up right from there. uh, And then it was a trip off to Louisiana and and East Texas. And it was a trip uh, to Letourneau and to uh, Belhaven, Mississippi. Uh, so then to Howard Payne and then to, to Sol Ross. So they had some wonderful experience. And the great thing is my assistant coach this year uh, has been uh, played for me eight years ago uh, and was a senior. Uh, my other assistant coach was my first recruit here, has been with me seven years. Uh, so those guys in the program were, were very familiar with everything. And our, and our team this year will all be back uh, next year, uh, they'll be fourth-year guys. And when they were freshmen, they played in the uh, conference championship game against the University of Texas, Dallas, who went deep in, or, you know, won in the NCAA tournament, advanced in a couple wins. And then last year, all but one day, we were preseason pick number one, and then we were in first, uh, except for one day that ETBU had it, and we co-champed it uh, <laughs> together the regular season. Uh, so the, these kids have had some success. And uh, when we went into last week's conference tournament, uh, you know, the, all three games, there was very but seconds that we weren't ahead in all three games, and uh, they were double-digit wins. So I, I think they uh, peaked at the right time last week. Uh, I think the lessons that the assistant coaches uh, got to experience, it's different when you're six inches over on the bench, yeah. uh, were very much part of what I'm trying to do at Division Three in teaching. Um, my first uh, Division Three NCAA tournament was in 1977-78. Uh, fortunate at 21 years old to coach alongside a gentleman named Jim Daffler, yeah. uh, who's the AD at Westminster now, and he was the head coach where I played. Uh, I should say I was on the team. I wasn't a very good player uh, <laughs> at, at, at Bethany College in West Virginia. Yeah. So I'm an East Coast guy and uh, uh, grew up Division Three. Uh, naturally, I've been fortunate to get the coach at Division One and Division Two, and this will be my 14th national tournament to participate in. So 
I'm just really excited to share it with these kids and, and share it with these assistant coaches because uh, it's something that they will remember their whole life. I can remember looking out the window of the U.S. air flight out of Pittsburgh to Indianapolis to play Rose Holm and the host, and we were fortunate we won it. And the next evening ran into Albion, Michigan, and uh, uh, very more athletic than we were at Bethany. Very good team. They beat us. But, you know, when you coach in front of, one of the largest crowds in the history of college basketball when we played Georgetown in the Superdome when I was at LSU with Chris Jackson. And then, of course, they had Alonzo and Dikembe and Smith and all those guys. Uh, and when you've coached, you know, NBA first round picks, first picks, Hall of Famers, et cetera, um, I still don't think there's anything. And I've been in a national championship game, the 50th NAI ever with Vital and the large crowd back in the 80s, and uh, I still don't think there's anything like the experience of Division Three sports and uh, the experience of Division Three basketball tournament. Uh, I think you can recognize that Harden Simmons is the one team that had to get on a bus and travel to Southern Texas down in the San Antonio area. And then, uh, if we we're blessed and would be able to win tonight, then we would get to the airport and. Uh, travel to Chicago uh, to play a team that isn't playing uh, tonight uh, on Saturday. So this is a wonderful experience. It just depends on if your cup's half full or half empty. In our case, <laughs> we look at it as a, a wonderful experience. In Costa Rica, they put us on the other side of the country, put us in the beach all day, fed us a huge dinner, got up the next morning, put us in a van over a volcano, Rocky Mountain Road, took us back uh across the country and then had us play their national team after they fed us lunch and let us sit in the arena for two plus hours. And their national team had beaten all, most all the D ones that had been over there had been no D threes. And, um, we beat them by 10 points. Uh, so our kids are, uh, looking forward to this weekend and seeing, seeing what we can do, you know, and seeing uh, how we can, they're 18, 19 year olds, their bodies, they can't get tired. Your mind can get tired, but your body, your body can't get tired. Hey, um, you you mentioned a few things in there. First off, it must be nice to be able to fly three hundred miles nowadays. That's not possible in Division Three. You're going to be bussing that. But um, back to your assistant coaches. You talk about obviously they're they're players under you, and certainly they know you. But your longtime assistant had left this year to take a head coaching job. I think at McMurray. So really, in in the grand scheme of things, you kind of had a, a new coaching staff, at least in their roles and their responsibilities. Tough year for you to then have to step aside, granted, in the office and around uh, quite a bit, but not necessarily in games, for some of the, for those guys to kind of step up and, and be in game situations. This was this was new for them and, and certainly a, learn, a very steep learning curve for them. It was wonderful. Uh, McMurray is in our town. Right. Uh, Zach, Zach Tickleman is the name of the gentleman that had been with me the first seven years. Uh, he and Ryan Stubbs. Uh, the assistant that took over, uh, they were roommates. They had lived together. Uh, Jeff Holland, my other assistant, naturally was recruited uh, by Zach and myself. Uh, Zach's just across town, so we, uh, he's, uh, I think the easiest way I can put it is that Zach is in my will. Uh, he's <laughs> like, he's, my wife considers him our son. And so, nice. is, and so is Ryan. They're like my sons that aren't in our blood. So, uh, you know, it, it's a family situation. Uh, we've been very fortunate. Our athletic director, 
uh, John Neese has been with us the whole time and and hired us in our SID, whose office is across the hall for me. Uh, Chad Grubbs has been with us the whole time. So we we, we truly have a, a chemistry uh, that I think is very important in helping teams advance, particularly in a conference where our SOS uh, stays so low because we're spread from Jackson, yeah. Mississippi to Alpine, Texas, and yeah. we all all play each other, and we have a lot of schools in our league that – don't play division three non-conference games. And, uh, so, uh, you know, it's a, it's a real fight, uh, to sure. get more than the one team in the tournament. Uh, TOU used to be in our division, yeah. uh, in, in the conference and, uh, respectfully to Jimmy, cause Jimmy was one of our young guys like Zach and yeah. Ryan and is doing wonderful and yeah. coached in, coached in the league and knowing him since he was a, a young guy also, and just doing a great job. But, uh, in all of our years uh, in the conference, they never even qualified for our conference tournament. Right. And now here they are two years in a row with no seniors, uh, back-to-back NCAs and uh, top in the region. We sit on the region committee together, and he is just a wonderful, wonderful young person and a wonderful coach and uh, a, a great future. Well, you you know you played TLU earlier in the season. You mentioned that was pretty much the first challenging game that you guys had with you out. Your point guard wasn't there. You lose in overtime by ten. Obviously, that's also a long time ago in the in the uh, evolution of both teams uh, to this point. This game was unavoidable. Obviously, on the uh, NCA bracket. Um, what do you guys expect to do tonight? That uh, that you or or what do you think you can take from the last game, if at all possible, to be able to garner a victory here and and then head to Chicago Land in the second round? Well, they are very, very, very. Uh, uh, they work very much around their point guard number one, mm-hmm. uh, who uh, was an All Conference player. Uh, we have to limit uh, his production. Uh, we have to limit him and. A lot of the games within the games, you know, how we'll do things on special situations like free throw breaks or uh, out of bounds on the sides or out of bounds on the under. We'll try to keep him from having as good an opportunity to rhythm them as as he did in that first game when we didn't have Christian. Uh, He had 28 points in that game. That was his high for the year. Uh, They have some outstanding shooters, uh, and they run a a lot of uh, sets very familiar to what uh, Zach Pokemon does at Murray, but then they, it's like a Stephen F. Austin uh, here in Texas uh, sure. offense, but then they run into some of the motion that Terry Butterfield runs at the University of Texas, Dallas. Yeah. And then, of course, they have that flavor of Ken DeWeese's Mary Harden Baylor group, so <laughs> they do they do a, a lot of good things. And Jimmy uh, is a great game coach. He's a Nick Saban type of taking strengths away uh, from other people uh, and knowing how to utilize his strengths, he's a really fine uh, young coach, and uh, so we're we're going to have to uh, play, uh, uh, you know, a, a really good game and taking their strengths away. Also, uh, we have a little bit of a height advantage. We do have a young man that leads all of college basketball and block shots, except they don't play the low post presence. They screen more to get away from the basket and then their person that you would call their big is really a a six five who will put it on the floor and they kind of use him as that tower to to move their offense through so we may have a a matchup uh mismatch there uh to where in some aspects it could help us some aspects it could hurt us Uh, our shot blocker 
naturally would average in just over three games, right at four games more. Uh, he had more blocks in those three or four games than they had on the whole season as a team. Uh, so how do we take advantage of that? Mm, the way they're running their offense isn't really around the rim except on the, the rebound and putback so, or the penetration. So uh, we've got a little bit of uh, – we're excited uh, for the opportunity if we get the Benedictine because we think we match uh, well with them. Uh, this game tonight will be a uh, – I think that uh, there's an advantage-disadvantage on both teams' parts. Well, Coach, I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, before I let you go, I do want to ask, you know, what's going to be the message to this team um, in the locker room before this game gets going? Well, uh, I, I would say this respectfully, and this isn't to, uh, you know, engage ourselves on anybody else. Sure. Uh, but for us, uh, we have 13 uh, very strong uh, Christian student-athletes. And we have three coaches that are very strong Christian leaders. For us, we're very uh, thankful for the opportunity to compete in this situation and very understanding of it. For us, it's to stay calm and to stay poised uh, and to play the game. Uh, We don't play opponents. Uh, We naturally have to you know, uh, prepare for opponents and styles and systems and matchups because, as you know, basketball is a game of matchups. But um, respectfully, again, because uh, we're not trying to impress ourselves on other people, uh, but um, this is kind of already in our eyes uh, done, and uh, it's up to us to go take advantage of it and uh, work as hard as we can and, uh, you know, enjoy it. And uh, and uh, and to stay poised throughout the evening, and uh, we'll reap what we sow. Well, it's certainly going to be a fascinating game. I'm looking forward to watching it, uh, partly on the show, partly when the show gets off the air. Um, and and welcome back to the bench, coach. Love seeing you getting back into the uh, mix of things. Hope your your health continues to be well. Um, and as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? No, I just hope uh, that people can really respect. Uh, Division three basketball and appreciate it, uh, particularly from someone that's gotten to coach at all levels and uh, the work that people like you do uh, versus uh, so many that uh, get to have their face and voice, you know, in front of the camera, different places. Uh, uh, you know, this preparation and this work uh, is as much for these Division three coaches and athletes as it is for Mike at Duke or Roy at North Carolina yeah. or any other people. And uh, uh, same way with the officials, same way with the game administrators, same way with the fans, you know. And uh, so uh, Division Three uh, is truly a, a, a love and a passion. Uh, our kids, like so many others, some of them work two jobs, some of them have worked three jobs, paying several thousand dollars to get their education, go to school, and at the same time, uh, do these type of things. And uh, we're just very, very uh, appreciative of everybody that makes this level possible for these young people. Well said, Coach. Uh, good luck tonight. Should you win, good luck the rest of the tournament. Appreciate you coming on the show, and we'll uh, we'll talk soon, I'm sure. Good luck to you all.
Thank you. Craig Carr is joining us here from Hardin-Simmons. Again, they'll take on uh, Texas Lutheran in a matter of minutes on this show. We'll keep tabs of that the rest of the broadcast. Again, talk to Coach Kars before the, uh, earlier in the day. Uh, they'll be taking on Texas Lutheran at TLU tonight. Uh, we'll keep track, as we said. Of course, the winner will go on to take on Benedictine on Saturday. By the way, great article uh, by our Brian Lester uh, on this team and Coach Kars. Check it out on the front page of D3 Hoops. When we come back, uh, we'll switch gears, head out to California, talk to a team that I've been wanting to talk to for a long time. Got a great excuse to talk to the Banana Slugs, women's basketball team from UC Santa Cruz. You're listening to Hoopsville. Presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Thanks to Coach Karch for coming on the show on the City of Salem Hotline. City of Salem, of course, the um, host of the 20th championship weekend in a row down in the Roanoke Valley on the men's basketball side. Join us in Roanoke. And uh, we'll enjoy, and really, Salem, and we'll enjoy another championship in Division Three. More Hoopsville right after this. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you are enjoying the show. Thanks again to Harden-Simmons, Craig Cars, who joined us earlier today in that pre-tape segment. They obviously will be taking on Texas Lutheran. Game time is in about 22 minutes. The NCAA does stick to game times rather strictly, so we will keep an eye out on that game, obviously. Um, that is coming up at 7 o'clock uh, local time, 8 o'clock Eastern, Harden-Simmons versus Texas Lutheran, and then Chapman versus Whitman. That game starting at 10 o'clock uh, Eastern uh, 7 local time. That will be on time. We'll keep an eye on that. Uh, if you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Of course, Hoopsville presented by d3hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. Um, all right, so I've been I've been looking for an excuse to talk to the next one, uh, next guest, only because I love the mascot, but we haven't had the opportunity. 
Well, they provided us the opportunity by winning the automatic bid to the GSAC, the Great South Athletic Conference. The banana slugs of UC Santa Cruz are in the NCAA tournament for the very first time. And, of course, they have a tall order upon them. They're going to have to face off against the number six team in the country, the Texas Tyler squad, who is hosting the opening round or opening weekend of the tournament. It's the California-Texas pod. Two Californias outplaying two Texas teams. And so joining us on the Hoopsville hotline, and I can say this for pretty confidently for the very first time on the show, UC Santa Cruz's head coach, Todd Kent. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Appreciate you taking the time. Um, first and foremost, congratulations on making the tournament. It's not like you have the uh, prototypical uh, v- way of getting in. Well, I guess you do with a conference tournament, but you don't have a prototypical schedule normally. Uh, this is kind of a tall order, and you were able to get it accomplished. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of a different way we have to do things in Santa Cruz being, you know, our closest D3 opponent is a seven-hour drive south of us. So we got to kind of find ways or creative ways to get in, and our athletic director was able to give us an opportunity with the Great South Conference. And we knew we were going to have our work cut out, cut out for us going out there, but, you know, the kids uh, did a good job treating it like a business trip and did what they needed to get done to qualify for the tournament. I was going to say, what's really crazy about this is the travel you guys have now had to experience in all of this. You had to, first off, you had to leave beautiful, uh, sunny California. Uh, Santa Cruz, California is a beautiful location. So leaving that is detriment enough. But you had to fly all the way to North Carolina, participate in the Great South Conference. Then I'm assuming you flew all the way home, sat there for a few days, and then now you've flown all the way to Texas. At least you're racking up the frequent flyer miles, but the jet lag (laughs) at some point has got to be getting to you. Yeah. Well, you know, we got back late Monday night, um, you mm. know, at that point when we were, we were just trying to figure out, you know, when we're going to fly out. And our AD t- took care of a lot of that stuff for us and got us on a flight on Wednesday night. So we got out here this morning about 1 a.m. is when we got into oh. Tyler. Jeez, 48 hours at home. Barely enough time to practice. Um, <laughs> is, is the school in session right now or is this causing havoc to the class schedule too? Uh, it's, co- it's causing a lot of havoc to the class schedule. We actually... We're a week from finals, so um, a lot of our kids oh. are kind of scrambling to keep up. Uh, but, you know, the, the the blessing of all this is we have pretty high academic kids. You know, I yeah. I often joke about this. I'm the least intelligent person in the room when I coach my team. Um, <laughs> but they, uh, you know, our team GPA the last three years has been a 3.5, and these wow. are kids that are majoring in bio, biochemistry and psychology. And, you know, these are, these are very tough uh, majors that they're – getting these great grades in. So yeah. I know they can handle it. It's, it's not been easy, but, you know, we've had a three or four hours study table today that they've already done. They'll do a little bit more tonight. Obviously, um, so they're staying focused and getting it done. Obviously, uh, in Division Three, we're used to that a little bit. You know, Division One, they make a big deal out of the Ivy Leagues. We have plenty of those around Division Three, but it's still a tall order, especially when you're traveling cross-country, as I said. <laughs> yeah. And I'm assuming none of this has been direct, except maybe your trip to California might have been direct flight. Um how do you, though, kind of deal with just the the constant flights in this case? I mean, it's something you guys haven't necessarily had to do before. Well, you know, over the last four or five years, we've actually had kind of a creative schedule. We've actually done a significant amount of fundraising so we can go out and play in WashU's tournament. We go up and play at George Fox. And, you know, we traveled out to Boston and played in Emmanuel um, yeah. several years back. So we've, we've because we're independent, we've got to fight in 25 games every year. Um We've had to find ways to, you know, just fundraise more money. So we're taking two or three flights a year. This year, we didn't take any flights until the Great South Tournament, so that was a little different. So, you know, the kids, I wouldn't say, are used to it. They, they've done it in the past. This is, you know, the NCAA tournament, something brand new to them. So it's a kind of a new approach. But, 
Yeah, it hasn't been easy, um, but you know I've, I've been really, uh, really pleased with the way the kids have stepped up and, and been professional about this process and, and done what they need to do. Um, you guys have certainly gotten used to home actually this season. I think of the first when I counted fifteen or seventeen games, you were home, but all but five of them, uh, or less than that. Or you guys had a whole mess streak there of a ton of Division threes who were more than happy to come to your location and play basketball. From the Augustanas <laughs> to the George Foxes, the Whittiers, Caltech obviously isn't that much of a trip, but Whitworth even came down, uh, and you had some of the Skyac teams come up to play you, and and you actually had some good tests. Uh, George Fox, you only lost by 18, and I and I mean that seriously. George Fox is a pretty talented team in late November, and you got them, um, you know, in an interesting game there. He t- spoke highly about that the other night on the show. Um, Claremont Mud Scripps, who's in the tournament. Uh, oh, no, they didn't come up, but you played a couple of other ones uh, to tight games. Uh, your first half of the schedule against Division Threes was, was, despite the win losses, pretty productive. Yeah, you know, we, we didn't really know what to expect this season. We graduated out our starting five and our first off the bench from last year's team that was, over the last four years, the most successful um, team in, or class in program history. And so, you know, we returned the five seniors, uh, one of which was injured and wouldn't be able to play this year. And then we brought in a, a pretty big freshman class. We weren't really sure kind of how long it would take to find our identity and find out, you know, how we're going to gel. And we took our lumps early, and we know you know we knew it was going to be a tough schedule. And um, I've really been pleased with uh the progress we've been making and you know we have to oftentimes like you said we have to play a lot of non-d3 teams during this time of year since people aren't able to play us on their buyer we have to go to southern california eight hour nine hour drive just to pick up those games um so yeah it's been uh it's been an interesting year we had some injuries in the midway like a lot of teams across the country have to deal with so a little bit of adversity and we're just starting to gel now and kind of figure out who we are at the right time the really tough part for you was the last 10 games before the gsac tournament was against non-division threes the it was the uh, who's who of of non Division three uh, California yeah. teams for the most part. Now, granted, basketball is basketball, but there's a little bit of a level of difference uh, in the in the sense of who you're playing. Did, was it hard mm-hmm. to kind of readjust to what you did at the first half, what you did in the second half, and get back into it to the GSAC, or was it kind of beneficial in the long run? Well, a lot of the systems that we saw and that we're going to see this weekend, we've been we've seen against some of these NAIA teams. They run very similar systems and. The program is kind of the same philosophy as some of the teams that we've been playing. Um, so that was good. And now you're right, it's a lot different level sometimes um, at different positions. They're a little more athletic than we'll see at D3. But a lot of times, you know, the D3 level, you'll see just the better basketball teams overall. Um, you know, but we've been we've been doing that for years now. You know, last year we played Westmont. who won the national title two years ago. We lost to him by two, and that was a good test for us to kind of figure out where we were as a program. And, then, you know, we've, we've played really – Solid NAI teams. We've also played NAI teams that aren't aren't nearly as competitive as some of the D3 teams we're going to see this weekend. So it'll be interesting to see if those games will help help us in the long run, or you know we'll see uh, how our kids adjust. Of course, you face number six Texas Tyler at their place this weekend. You and Claremont Mud Scripps. Any, I doubt you guys flew out together. Obviously, there's a long distance between you two. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you chose different airports, but um, you've been out there. You now have a big test in this Texas Tyler squad. How do you prepare for them? considering obviously in the GSAC you didn't see anything like this and it's been a while since you've seen a D3. Have you been able to make direct comparisons to opponents recently? Uh, You know, it's interesting enough going into this process. You know, I was on the West region for the last three years. I wasn't on for the committee for the NCAA. I wasn't on it this year because we're now according to the, we're in the great South. (laughs) So it's a little confusing. Um, 
But, you know, I have kind of knew that the way it would shake out, it would probably be at George Fox or it might be Tyler, Texas here or at George Fox. We always kind of an idea that we might end up playing them. So we started to do a little prep a little earlier just because I thought that's a possibility gotcha. if we were able to win the Great South. Um, but to answer your question, you know, how do we prepare for a team that, you know, scores like they score, shoots the three like they shoot, how athletic they are, they're fast. Um, they got good point guard, I mean, tremendous point guard play. They can put the ball in the basket. From the wings, they got some good post play, some quick athletic posts that, uh, you know, attack the basket from the pinch real well. So, yeah, you know, it's it's been tough trying to figure out a game plan that we can do. And, you know, I feel like there's some things that we've seen recently with some teams that we can use that experience to help us build a little bit of a scout for this team that we're going to see. Um, but, yeah, they play at a speed and a level we probably haven't seen in a while since the George Fox game. So, we'll you know, hopefully we'll be able to adjust to that speed quickly and we'll have to wait and see tomorrow night. Um, your squad is, you know, it scores about 64 a game and gives up about 60 a game. It's certainly not high scoring necessarily. Uh, is this a defensive-minded uh, squad or just one that, that's a little bit more uh, methodical with what it does? You know, I think uh, in years past we've been kind of known as a defensive team. We've had you know, we've done an, a really nice job of finishing in the, in the top 25 in the nation in some defensive categories in the last couple of years. And, um, you know, graduating out all those players, we didn't really know what our identity would be defensively. And there's times where we are locked down defenders. We do a great job. And there's other times early in the year where we had some, uh, some of our youth kind of showed their inexperience and we weren't able to do some things that we wanted to do. But I think it's a combination of both. You know, we do like to control tempo. We do like to get up and down the court a little bit too. But, uh, you know, teams like this, you just got to find a way to limit their possessions and make quality possessions on our end and try to gain a few here and there if we can. And, um, so, yeah, we'll see what, what it'll look like tomorrow night against a team that is, uh, runs the floor so well. well. We'll really kind of find out what our defense is going to look like against a team like that. Team that's won eight of their last 12 onto the NCAA tournament. We'll take on Texas Tyler, as we mentioned. Coach, I'd love to talk to you forever about this, but unfortunately we've got other guests on the show too. Um, but I appreciate you coming on. I, I, from what you said earlier, at least the weather is nice. <laughs> yeah, it's great here. I mean, I left sunny uh, Santa Cruz uh supposed to rain there while we're gone so my wife and my two daughters are coming out tomorrow to spend some time with us so uh hopefully we can enjoy the warm weather together there you go perfectly done well congratulations no matter what happens uh coming up here on friday against texas tyler making the tournament for the first time is obviously a, a major um a milestone for the program and for the uh, for the institution as well so we congratulate congratulate you with that in the meantime though we have a tradition on the show where we always give the guests the final word any final thoughts you want to share with those who are tuning in yeah, just two things. Uh, number one, Dave, really appreciate everything you do. I tune into the show every opportunity that I have, and I listen to the, the broadcast after you've recorded them. And uh, you do a great job, and really appreciate, you know, kind of echo what all the other coaches say. We appreciate the, the hard work that you do. Um, so, yeah, we really, really appreciate that. And the second thing, I just want to say hi to my, uh, my wife, Steph, my daughters, Francis and Hazel, and I'll see you guys tomorrow morning. Well done, Coach, and thank you very much for the kind words. Good luck, and uh, looking forward to seeing how the team uh, performs. And, hey, l let's see how this changes everything for the future down the road. Awesome. Thanks, Dave. Take care, Coach. Todd Kent joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline, of course, brought to you by the City of Salem. City of Salem hosting the Men's Division Three Championship Weekend. Get your tickets today and join us in the Roanoke Valley. Going to take a quick break. We're a little bit behind schedule. I want to get to our next guest. Uh, so we're going to take that break. Karen Harvey will join us from Montclair. So we're going to go from California, who's playing in Texas, and we're going to jump into New Jersey. Follow us around the country, folks. We're going to do it right here on Hoopsville. You listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. We'll have plenty more Hoopsville coming up uh, right after I figure out where my commercial is for this run. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. There we go. We'll be back with more Hoopsville right after this.
For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation not merely to work towards a personal best in the classroom or in the sport we love, but rather an obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. For Special Olympics athletes, victory belongs not only to those who first cross the line, but to all of those who compete and endure. They are challenged in ways we cannot imagine. They are survivors who test themselves harder and with greater joy than we will ever know. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn, as we all do, that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Sport ennobles us, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. Celebrate the soggy shoes and the slow starts. Celebrate the lessons learned along the way. These are the wins. Not the shiny nail-biting kind. These are the last a lifetime kind. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Brought to you by the WBCA and NABC, along with D3Hoops.com. Of course, we're at the WBCA and NABC studios. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, talking to a number of coaches here tonight, trying to jam in as much as we can into this show. Don't forget, coming up at the end, we're going to talk, introduce you to the Wizard of Whitworth. Show you a great little video from uh, Whitworth's George Valley, the local TV station did out there about the guy who's got a little bit of a magical side to him. At the same time, well, I'll give you who I think are going to make it to the Final Four officially, updating to my list on Monday. Also, who I think are going to be the disappointments and who I think are going to be the surprises in each of the po each of the uh, quadrants. Not the pods, but the quadrants as we get ready to do this tournament. Uh, of course, uh, in about five some odd minutes, we will get the men's basketball tournament underway in Texas. Uh, keep things going. Women's basketball, again, as I said, we were talking about a California school who's playing in Texas, and now we're jumping into New Jersey. This team is now hosting the women's championship opening weekend for the third year in a row. That's pretty amazing to say the least, but it hasn't been easy every time. They nearly didn't get out of their own home court last year. And what did they learn from that? This is a team that started a little bit slow this year and has come on in what is a very difficult New Jersey Athletics Conference this season. Joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, presented by the City of Salem, is Karen Harvey from the number 24 Montclair State women's basketball team. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. 
Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. I said slow start. Really, it wasn't the start that was the slow part. It was kind of the meat in the middle. Right. Uh, it was. I mean, literally, we have uh, really good at the beginning and really good at the end. Yeah. Uh, it was, let's see, three, four, five, eight games, I think it was. Yeah, you guys, it was eight games, Dave. Yeah, yeah. okay. Three and five. I yeah. just wanted to, yeah, clearly you remember yeah. that. Uh, three and yeah. five in that eight. Uh, Lebanon Valley got you in Rochester. You don't. I don't yep. think you're ever going back to Puerto Rico. No, we're not. Uh, you know what, Dave? Uh, we, uh, our senior tour ACL in that yeah, Lebanon Valley yeah, game. I knew yep. that. I knew yep. that. I was a little tongue in cheek to try and lessen that blow, <laughs> uh, to say the least. She's not going back to Puerto Rico. She's not. We're no. done with Puerto Rico. She's we're done. Out. Uh, of course, then Rowan got you in conference play. Stockton got you in conference play. And then Kane, interesting enough, kind of reemerging in the conversation, which is nice to see. But, of course, that Rowan and Stockton game would, would, would be pivotal because you had to get those wins back in some way. But what was it? Outside, was it just the fact that you lost her at the beginning of that eight that was the toughest part of that stretch and just kind of readjusting as a program? Or were there other things going on that just kind of – all balled together to just kind of make for a lousy set of set of games there. Well, you know what, Dave? I think um, it, it, it was really the start of it. it definitely, when you know, when Kayla went down, she said she's our only senior. She's a big leader. She was our leading scorer. So we lost more than just a you know we just lost more than just a basketball player. Like mm-hmm. she was kind of the heart and soul of us. Um, and then and it was it was tough, and uh, we couldn't bounce back from that in in Puerto Rico. And we tried. You know, we got it together a little bit, but, you know, we just, we, it, we just had to reinvent ourselves completely, and it took some time to do that. Uh, and not surprising a lot of teams. Of course, you got right into conference play with the toughest part of it. I mean, you took on a Rowan squad who's rejuvenated this year, of course, with three transfers, and that's incre- more incredibly rare. Stockton, who emerged last year and gave you guys a run for it. And then Kane, as I said, kind of who was – starting to come back to its former glory in, in some capacity. So you kind of had a rough stretch yeah. of games to have to do this against. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the best timing. <laughs> no, but what's clicked? Because since that point, you have rattled off 10 straight, which has obviously been significant in the run here to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, significant. You know what? I think um, after we lost the game, we were leading that game. You know, we were ahead in that game. We had thought we had kind of figured it out. And, and they just, you know, they, they came on. They're playing well. They, they And after that game, we kind of just had to sit down and say, you know, we had lost some confidence. We were shaky. We weren't sure where our leadership was coming from. We weren't sure who wanted the ball at the end of the game. And, you know, we just we, we, we sat down. We talked to some players, you know, and they really just stepped up and said, you know, it's we knew now we had we had six losses. We're like, that's it. You know, that's it. You know, one more and we're done. So I think that it's really I give them all the credit in the world. They really they really kind of refocused themselves and, and started talking and communicating a little bit better. So we had some young players emerge as leaders and we started to sort of share the responsibility of, you know, how we were gonna score and kinda of got back to playing a little bit better defense and, and really just kinda of gained some confidence you know, one game at a time throughout that stretch. Obviously, Kayla Sabalas was was the leading scorer yeah. at thirteen and a half points a game, yep. but Katie Sire stood up, and now she's the leading scorer at thirteen points a game herself. And then a bunch of others who certainly contributed. Um, obviously, a lot of teams talk about the next next man up adage. You know, and you got to do that, and you got to figure it out. And obviously, you guys did that about midway through that run, and now you've been clicking. Uh, but it's not like you haven't had easy games. I mean, they've been tight 
all the way along. Do you, do you feel like you've been on a tightrope almost? Like, oh, yeah, we're tired. Yeah. <laughs> the coaching staff is a little tired. I'm sure. No, no, no. But, you know, it has been. But, you know, I think kind of, Dave, the way our road has gone, I mean, we could lose any night, you know. Yeah. And having to win those games in the last minute and the last two minutes, that's how we've won most of them, I think, is giving us confidence. You know, and it, it's helping these young players believe in themselves and understand that, you know, we just keep playing. And, uh, you know, one of the things I've been saying to them is, hey, we, we just find a way. And, and it doesn't matter. Every night it might be a different way. But just keep trying to find a way. And, and they're doing that. Um, the interesting part, too, is you had Rowan and Stockton in two of the last three games to kind of get yourself back into position yeah. as best as possible. Obviously, you ended up finishing – uh, tied for, for first in the conference uh, and being able to host the conference tournament as a result. So those two, two games at the beginning had to be made, you know, you know, resolved as it were at the end. You guys had some motivation, clearly. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, and, and we, we went down to Rowan. We won with, like, I don't know, 12 seconds to go <laughs> by one. And then, uh, you know, and then, and then we had to Stockton was our senior night. And I think that they were, you know, our only senior was Kayla. I think they were pretty inspired to come out. And, and they just, you know, we had a decent game plan, and they just executed everything perfectly. And then, you know, they, they, they made some shots. They got some key stops, and, and uh, they really played fantastic. Um, you're hosting your third straight weekend of the opening weekend, I should say, in the NCAA tournament, which is certainly interesting. I don't know about you. We talked to Regis as head coach a couple weeks ago. <laughs> I, I, I have a feeling you two miss each other. Did you call the NCAA? And say, I mean, you were on the bracketing committee. Dave, you know what? Uh, she, she emailed me, and it was great. She emailed me Monday morning, and she said, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking about you. And, uh, you know, it, it's Selection Monday. Uh, could it be possible? It, it can't be possible that we would see you four years in a row. So we were laughing a little bit. But, uh, you know, she's wonderful, and she's done a tremendous job up there in Regis. And, uh and uh, you know, so but it's a pretty funny story. I uh, I had to make a point of saying something on the on the bracket show. Uh, I just couldn't resist. Uh, made a point to saying that Regis was probably really happy not to see you guys because you know they get to see somebody new. Of course, they've got Tufts. That's a whole other conversation. But I digress. Um, for your team, um, it has been though. I mean, last year you almost didn't get out of the second round. Stevenson nearly knocked you off. Yeah. With an incredible comeback in the second half and a last second look at it. Um, is home as good as it feels? Or in my point of view, it almost feels like some people are all a little more too confident coming into your gym. Uh, no, home is good. Okay, okay, <laughs> but, okay. No, home is good for us. We're excited. You know, we're, we're excited and honored. We worked really hard. And, um, you know, it's great to be home for our families and our fans and our players for this weekend. And, uh, you know, we're fortunate to have that opportunity. And our, our staff, our department, does a wonderful job putting on a tournament. I think we've got a couple first-timers here in the NCAA tournament, so we're excited to give them a good experience. And, um, yeah, no, we're, we're psyched to be playing home this weekend. Um, certainly makes it a little bit easier. You were on the committee, and, I, and one thing that I uh, – a couple things, if you don't mind me quickly asking generically, I'm not going to drill you down like I did with Bobby and – Carrie, no, uh, absolutely. Th something I heard from Carrie was she said so many of you had to not participate at some point right. in this situation. And obviously you had the automatic bid, so you didn't have to come off during the selection process. But it sounds like you came off during the bracketing. Uh, I did. And I, did. I know this is your first time doing it because Dave Martin had been in the Atlantic rep the last two years. But my question to you is there's got to be a better way when it comes to bracketing. 
there's no, it doesn't make any sense to take people off the call. Well, it, you, um, this, like I said, Dave, this is my first year, so you know, I there was a part of me that was a little disappointed I didn't get to be involved in the bracketing part of it because you know we put so much time and work, and I mean everybody on the committee. I don't know if people realize. I mean, it's an extra twenty, twenty-two hours a week of work, mm-hmm. uh, um, and we, you know, and you put a lot of time into that, and then and I didn't know I was going to get taken off the call. And at ten thirty, when we finished with the selection, and they said, "All right, we're going to take a ten-minute break, come back for bracketing," you know, Karen. You're off the call, and I and I was like, what? "Wait, you were off for the whole thing?" Yeah, I was off. I never See, got I back have, on. No, I have a I'm problem with that. And, I have a. That's you know, you know. I understand. I think like they don't want any improprieties. That's it would be fine, but work know, on a different section of the bracket. Yeah, there's got to be tough. a better way. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I thought, um, I will say this, you know, when I, I didn't get to see the bracket, and I didn't actually know if we were hosting or who we were playing until the selection show. Like, I found <laughs> out with my team at 2.30. So it was crazy. Heck, I, I knew before you did. You knew before I did, Dave. Yeah, you knew before I did. But, um, you know, I, I have to say, I look, once I looked, got to look at the bracket, you know, I thought the committee, did, I thought it was one of the best brackets. I thought the committee did a great job. And um, I know how hard now from the inside, I know how hard everyone works trying to get it right and, and how hard the NCAA works to try to get it right. So. Um, well, I appreciate uh, you coming on, and I, I won't grill you just yet. I'll give you another year on the committee. Thank you. And then we'll go at it. Okay. Um, we'll, or, or I'll wait till Indianapolis when I see you there. All right, uh, good, either way. Um, but obviously, big big game. Quickly about SUNY IT. What do you know? What have you tried to figure out? How do you think this game's going to – what do you think that they're – what do they bring to the table that's going to be the most, biggest challenge for you? Well, I think, you know, uh, I don't know much. We never played them. You know, I've never even seen them play. It's every, obviously, I watched video and, you know, I got that thing. Um, you, you know, they're good. They've won a lot of games. They won their conference. They've got this uh, Stevie Ray, big-time shooter. I, I, I told my team, you know, I think she shoots it from half court, so let's make sure that we get out. And then they've got some other pieces, a real athletic post player, and then they've got, uh, you know, a lanky kind of uh, swing player. So, you know, they're going to be they're going to be good. They're going to be ready to go. Um, hopefully, you know, our experience helps us a little bit in that respect. And, um, you know, we'll just, uh, if we can rebound, you know, <laughs> we don't rebound well, Dave, so Uh-oh. we got to rebound. Well, okay. SUNY IT, you heard it here first. Uh, go for the rebound. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, well, Coach, I appreciate you coming on the show. Certainly want to let you go because I know you got meetings to get to, as always. But uh, thanks for taking the time. Uh, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Uh, yeah, I, first of all, I just want to say thanks, Dave. You know, all the work you do, and I know everyone thanks you, but we mean it from the bottom of our hearts. You know, we, we follow along, and D3 Hoops is the first thing I click in the morning, and I'm always checking the stories, and, and we really rely on everything that you guys do. So I want to make sure I say thanks for everything that you guys do there, and, and best of luck to everyone, you know, uh, who's in the tournament. And, um, you know, it's exciting. It's always exciting no matter how many years you've done it. You still, uh, you know, you get the butterflies, and um it's it's pretty cool experience. So good luck to everybody out there. Well, thank you, Coach. Good luck to yourself as well, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, I'm sure. All right, sounds good, Dave. Thanks. All right, Karen Harvey joining us on the uh, Hoopsville Hotline presented by the City of Salem. Of course, City of Salem hosting the Men's Division Three Final Four, and you hope you're going to join us in the Roanoke Valley for those games. But don't forget the Women's Final Four. We'll go through Capital, and Karen Harvey would love to get back there. We're there not that long ago with a pretty good squad. We'll see how this team does. 21-6 overall, 15-3 in the conference on a 10-game, did I say 10-game winning streak? Yeah, 10-game winning streak heading in. We'll take on SUNY IT 
in the opening round. Going to take another break. Still a little bit behind schedule, so we're going to do some speeding up here if I possibly can. You never know. You never know. I might not get that lucky, but we'll try anyway. You listen to Hoops, so presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA NABC studios. When we come back, we'll switch gears, talk men's basketball with Middlebury men's basketball coach Jeff Brown. He joins us on the Hoopsville Hotline next. You're listening to Hoopsville. Back with more in a minute. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Every basket and every stop, the skill of elite student athletes will be on display. The sights. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading. We're to- just cutting that off. Apparently, we had our D3 Hoops on on uh, loop there. We're gonna have to fix that. Not the not the not. The- not to mention the fact I, I lost my contact information for our next guest. But we've got him, so we're getting going. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. If you've got questions for us, email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. You can also join us in the Hoopsville, um, let's see, tw- it got tw- did I mention all? Let's start over. Twitter, at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Email, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. There is a chat room on YouTube, but I'll freely admit I haven't even looked at it this show. Um, mainly because we've got everything else going on. So if I've missed you in there, I apologize and hope you found another way to interact with us. Um, let's get on to our next... Let's see here. I've somehow... I feel like I've missed somebody, and I have. Look at that. 
Um, we're jostling this around. I apologize. I'm going to Middlebury, and if Johnson & Wales is wondering what's going on, they're supposed to have been next, and I went to John- Middlebury first anyway. So what we're going to do here, we're going to keep it on because i got Middlebury's head coach on the show. So we're going to keep this going. hope Johnson & Wales understands. Uh, joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline via the men's basketball, Johnson & uh, Middlebury's head coach, Jeff Brown, joins us on the Hoops on the Hotline. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. I'm all disbobbled today. Well, thank you. I'm doing great well, thank you for taking the time. I, I apparently have gotten myself completely on a different page, and we're going to keep moving, but we'll we'll get back to our coach anyway. From your point of view, Coach, congratulations on a terrific run, 17-10 and 10 on the season, 6-4, and four, but what's amazing is you made a nice run in the second half of this season, including as a four seed to win the NESCAC title. you got to be thrilled with what your team has accomplished in the second half especially. Yeah, certainly, Dave. Uh, it's been an exciting year watching our team uh, struggle earlier in the year and really play quality basketball down the stretch. And we had a magical weekend of being able to upset Trinity and Amherst uh, to win the NESCAC round. Um, yeah, obviously you had to beat some tough ones. You had to beat Wesleyan, who was last year's Cinderella as the seventh seed. Had to beat them, of course, at your place was the advantage. Then the next week you had to go to Trinity. Um, and Trinity just does, cannot seem to get it done at their own place. You beat them by 12, significant margin. And then you went and beat Amherst by two in the title game on the road. What's been the significance, though, between the first half of your season and the second half? Well, I, I think it really you know, comes to the growth of our team. Uh, we have three first-year players who are involved in, in playing uh, significant roles uh, with our team, and they really have grown throughout uh, you know, the early part of the season to uh, late in the season. Uh, you know, Matt Daly, our, our center, who's extremely talented and has had an assortment of injuries and illnesses uh, over his career, really came up big for us uh, in the final two games of the season and, and really dominated the paint. So it was just a, you know, a situation where our team just really kind of came together and rose to the occasion. Um, you certainly risen to the occasion, though you're not, not that you haven't taken your lumps. And that's CAC the last couple of years. And that's CAC's always been tough, always been tough at the top. In the last couple of years, it's been tough at the top, it's been tough at the bo- middle, and it's really been tough at the bottom. How much has that landscape altered from your point of view? Well, it certainly has changed the last several years, uh, just the parity in the league. And, uh, you know, a case in fact is that uh, two of our uh, four league losses were to two teams that did not qualify for a NESCAC sport. Just really don't know who might come out up top. And uh, it, it, it is a very, very competitive league from top to bottom. Uh, I'm talking to Jeff Brown here from Middlebury. Team is uh, on a roll here. They'll play Salisbury down at Stockton, but we'll get to that in just a minute. Earlier in the season, Coach, the beginning of the year was certainly hard. Uh, You took some tough losses. You lost to Baldwin Wallace and St. Lawrence and Oswego State just in the opening four games of the season. Uh, Then you took another lumps against RPI and Skidmore and and, and Endicott and Connecticut College. And that's kind of when things finally broke through for you guys. Big win over Tufts, wins over Williams, and obviously the uh, loss to Amherst that you made up for in the championship. Um, I don't think there were a lot of high expectations for this team. You've kind of been playing with house money a little bit. Most most certainly, Dave. Uh, you know we've been you know under the radar, especially because of our slow start. Uh, our guys have really been resilient in their play and uh, continuing to just uh, plow through. Uh, it's been a crazy year for us in that we played our first eight games away from campus. 
with a trip to Buffalo and a trip to Rochester thrown into the mix. So that I think that's part of the reason for our slow start to the season. Uh, you know, we've had nine home games out of the 27 games played this season. So we're certainly road tested yeah. you know, as a unit. Yeah, definitely road tested, though you'd love to. I know you'd love to have things come through Middlebury, Vermont, uh, to say the least. Um, this program obviously took a little bit of a, of a step back after some incredible years in making it to Salem, uh, and I know those teams are revered, as it were. Um, are you guys on on the way back, as it were, to those to those opportunities? Well, you know, we're we're excited about the opportunities and also the future because uh, again, we have a lot of returning guys uh, that'll be playing next year for us. Uh, but the, the nature of the NESCAC. Uh, you really don't know what that means because, uh, you know, it's very challenging to, to finish within the top four of NESCAC. Yeah, that is certainly the case. Uh, hey, I had Joe Riley on the show earlier this season. He talked about wishing that the conference played a double round robin. What's your thoughts on that? I am 100% uh, for it because uh, that would give us more home games. Our, our players really relish uh, NESCAC competition. And I think it would be a tremendous league. I, I think it would resemble the UAA of yeah. uh, teams really going through the gauntlet, uh, you know, uh, determining a champion. So, what can it be changed? I'm not real sure. You know, I, I don't think that there's uh, enough sentiment right now. It, it hasn't been something that's been on the discussion table for us, uh, you know, recently. Uh, probably about 10 years ago, we had some discussions and. Uh, you know, the decision was to, you know, keep it uh, the way it is with a single uh, opportunity within league play. Uh, but again, you know, I I just think it's a fantastic league. And I think, uh, you know, playing everybody twice uh, certainly would, you know, tag more losses on NESCAC teams. But I think the quality of play and the league would really benefit from it. Yeah, I kind of agree with you, Coach. Uh, let me jump back to your team. Mount St. Amour is your kind of your juggernaut. Uh, nearly 20 points a game, five rebounds a game, two and a half assists a game, two steals a game. It's not like he can't do anything else. He also plays about 32 minutes a game. Um, and then there's a, a number of other players contributing, including Matt Daly, who's a senior, Jake Brown, who's a junior, obviously he's your nephew. What What is it about, though, that, that Matt brings to the table that is so significant that, for these Panthers squad? Well, I, I think it really comes down to the scoring punch that he gives us. Uh, you know, his first two years, he struggled a bit from the three-point line and, you know, shot about 30% or under his first two years. And this year, taking tough ones and some deep ones, uh, he is shot at a 40% clip. And that really has opened up some opportunities for some of his teammates. And he's really developed a great knack of uh, hitting some runners in the lane and just diversifying his offense game to uh, be able to twenty games for us. Uh, the bad news for everybody, he still has another year of eligibility left. Um, what do you know about this Salisbury squad? Is there anybody you've played this season that measures up to them and what they bring to the table? Well, I, I, I think uh, perhaps the Plattsburgh State, one of the, one of the most athletic teams that we played, or transiting from our top, are hard to. I really like very Losing you a little bit, Coach. Are you there? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm sorry. You were saying about uh, Salisbury. Yeah, I I really like your team. They're ten, very tenacious on defense. They show a lot of different looks. They switch screens. They anticipate well, and I think that really fuels their offense is uh, 
turning teams over. I mean, creating 18 turnovers per game is going to be a real challenge for our team come tomorrow night. Yeah, I assume you're down in Jersey, down at Stockton. Um, not, I don't think that's a. Have you guys been to the to Stockton before? I know Nest CAC teams have been down there before, but have you guys made that trip before? We haven't. Uh, Bates was down here last year and yep. came through. Um, we did play Stockton uh, in 2008 or 2009 when they had a very talented team, a uh, Final Four team. Uh, but that was been my only look at Stockton up, up close and personal. Uh, I know Amherst was down there seven years ago as well before uh, the heyday of Amherst. Well, it was kind of in the middle. It was a lull for them um, as well. Well, Coach, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, and, and obviously not a lot of home games, as you point out, this season. You guys are going to have to be road warriors in the tournament, but I appreciate you taking the time, and good luck against Salisbury in the game coming up tomorrow. As always, though, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? Well, just again, you know, we're really thankful for what you do, Dave, uh, to promote Division Three basketball. Uh, you know, not all teams have the ability to get you an NCAA and, and uh, you know, feel the excitement of competing in the championships and so forth. But, uh, you know, the attention that you bring in, you know, for our student-athletes is a tremendous thing. So thank you. Well, thank you, Coach. Really appreciate it. Great seeing you a couple of years ago at the Hoopsville Classic, and I hope I get to see you soon. Yeah, we'd love to come back sometime. Well, we'll certainly talk about it, Coach. Take care of yourself. Okay. Take care, Dave. Bye. Jeff Brown joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, presented by the City of Salem. Of course, City of Salem, the host of the Division Three Men's Championship Weekend. Get your tickets today. Join us in the Roanoke Valley, handing out our 19th Men's Division Three Championship in Salem at the 20th Championship Weekend. Join us and the, our good friends, Carrie, uh, uh, Carrie Harvey Cutter. Carrie, I love you, buddy. Carrie Harvey Cutter, John Saunders, uh, of course, from the ODAC, J.J. Nekoloff, and Brad Bankston, and the rest of the gang. Look forward to being down there in a couple weeks' time. I want to apologize to anybody who thought we were supposed to be talking to Johnson & Wales. We were. I realized literally as we came out of break that I had called the wrong coach. Uh, so we will now take that break and go talk to Johnson & Wales. Also still ahead, we have on the men's side, uh, we'll go back to New England and talk to Spring. Well, we're going to be in New England with Johnson & Wales too. But we'll talk to Springfield men's basketball coach Charlie Brock. And then we'll head back to the central region, talk to St. Norbert men's basketball coach Gary Gresh. You're listening to Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. Back to some women's basketball, Johnson & Wales Wildcats. We'll talk to them coming up on the show. You're, uh, plenty more ahead, so stay tuned, and we'll look forward to uh, be back here in just a few minutes with our next guests. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. With every basket and every stop, the skill of elite student athletes will be on display. The sights. <laughs> College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. 
suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show despite my uh, craziness with the schedule here. We kind of flipped everything around accidentally there. Middlebury, thanks to Jeff Brown for joining us on the show, talking about his Panthers. Uh, we're still talking New England basketball, sliding into some women's basketball here, and we'll get that uh, to you in just a minute. But I wanted to give you a scoring update from obviously the first game underway in Division Three Men's Basketball Championship Tournament. First round action, Harden-Simmons leads Texas Lutheran 20-19. I saw a score earlier where the Cowboys of of Harden-Simmons went on a 9-0 run out of the media timeout to take a 24-19 lead. So, um, actually, my score is old now that I look at this. Uh, so, let's update that. Uh, so, that was so actually, Harden-Simmons leads 24-19 with 8.30 left. And now Texas Lutheran's drawn it to within 3 with 7.01 left. So, we'll keep an eye on all of that here on the show. Now, switching back to some women's basketball. Johnson and Wales both teams are in the NCAA tournament. Uh, the women's program getting in as an at-large bid, which is only the second time that's happened in the GNAX conference history. Of course, they got in now for two years in a row, thanks to a much stronger out-of-conference schedule than in years past. And maybe that was, well, I think that had a lot to do with it. And certainly their head coach is probably happy he did it at the same time. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, uh, presented by the City of Salem, is Corey Bowler, the head coach of Johnson & Wales. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thanks for having me, Dave. I appreciate you taking the time, especially me calling you a little bit late. Um, <laughs> no worries. First off, congratulations on the season. We should point out 24-3 and three on the year. Um, your two losses in conference to St. Joseph's uh, of Maine, who, who, I mean, we had a weird finish at the top of the conference to begin with. We'll get to that in a minute. And then to Emmanuel uh, in the conference uh, semifinals, which set this all up. Uh, you guys getting the at-large bid. We should also mention you lost to Scranton earlier in the year, but as we joked on the over the weekend, everybody lost to Scranton this year. So nothing to hang your head about that. From your point of view, though, how's the, how did the season progress? Um, obviously, after a 19 and 10 campaign last season. Yeah, yeah, we you know we had some young players last year that really developed this year and uh, have gotten better over the season for sure. Um, you know, we we came out strong, and you know the team. Um, you know, there was a lot of cohesiveness that carried over from last year. Uh, you know, we, we returned nine, um, you know, from last year, the core of our, of our group is still here. And, um, you know, every day, uh, they have fun playing together. Uh, they, they work for each other. Um, you know, it's, it's really been fun with this group this year to see how they've progressed. Um, that last game against Emmanuel, losing in the semifinals, knowing where you were in the regional rankings, which were actually pretty good. You were sitting about sixth. Um, going into the week, um, how, how did you or going into the tournament? What, what were your thoughts when that game happened? Did you guys think you had a chance? Yeah, there was certainly, of course, a lot of disappointment um, with, with, that, with, the, with the way we finished. Um, you know, being with the team that night and, and watching our men win um, on Saturday. You know, we you know we, we took a couple of days and we met as a team and we you know we 
we talked quite a bit, and we were we were definitely hopeful. We were hopeful to get a second chance, um, and now that we have it, we're just looking to make the most of it. Certainly did get that second chance. Of course, back-to-back uh, tournaments this year. You guys won, if I might, I think I have that right. Um, yeah, won last year, and yep. unfortunately you had, the, you had the unenable task of having to take on FDU Florham, uh, and they uh, thanked you for coming, uh, 84-40 uh, last year. <laughs> Is is that one I kind of sensed it there with a laugh? Is that one you just kind of shake off and go, eh, that's what it is, or does that leave a, a sour taste going into this year? A little bit of both, absolutely. You know, we, uh, you know, being so young last year, and you know, starting three freshmen and uh, fourth freshman coming off the bench to play a lot of minutes, and some sophomores that definitely you know contributed a lot um, last year. It was our first experience. It was my first experience in the NCAA tournament as well. So. Um, that was definitely, you know, we were up against a really you know, tough opponent, as, as, as you mentioned, and uh, some phenomenal athletes. Um, you know, but when we met in the spring, uh, you know, this team said they wanted to get back here and they, you know, they wanted to, um, you know, make make more of an impact on the tournament. And so, you know, that's what the focus has been on. And, um, you know, that's been the goal. Um, I've read somewhere, and I think it might have been on your own website, about the fact that you guys had decided you specifically probably, that the one way to definitely try and guarantee yourself into the tournament was to strengthen up that out-of-conference schedule. And and you certainly did in certain areas. I mean, playing Scranton doesn't hurt whatsoever. Um, is that Was that the mentality? Because you certainly did better there. The conference is also doing better in that, in that department as well. And and is that going to be the move moving forward? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I think you only get better by playing better teams. And so... You know we're going to go out and and play, um, you know teams in, in the tougher conferences. Uh, as as you mentioned, the you know the rest of the GNAC seems to be doing that as well. It's um, you know the, the three way tie this year between St. Joe's and Emmanuel and us. Um, you know that was that's something different that the GNAC hasn't seen. Um, you know Emmanuel has been so strong in the tournament, St. Joe's um, as well in the la- in the last few years. So you know the GNAC as a whole is getting better, but yeah the. You know, the emphasis was to go out and play some better teams um, and, and and bolster our out-of-conference schedule for sure. Um, I should mention also played Brandeis, which accessed the UAA, which doesn't hurt either, and, and played Eastern Connecticut, certainly, and uh, two of those three are in the NCAA tournament, which helps as well. But, yeah, that three-way tie at the end. Uh, <laughs> at one point, I remember, I kept watching the conference standings. It was one of those deals where I'm like, okay, I need to get somebody from the GNAC on the show. Well, Johnson <laughs> & Wales is playing well. I just had their men's on. I'll give it a little bit of time. Give it a little bit of time. Then I'm looking like, oh, oh, wait, there's a tie at the top. Okay, I'm going to, well, let me just give it another week. Wait, now there's a three-way tie. I'm kind of hosed. Um, yeah. <laughs> what? This was a wacky finish to the year and and really, in some senses, out of control for everybody. No, for sure. And uh, it was it was fun to be a part of, um, you know, being having, you know, that competitiveness at the top of the GNAC like that and just, you know, watching every game and seeing how other teams are doing, keeping your eye on it. and you know, continuing to prepare yourself. Um, you know, that's what the end of the year should be like. You know, you want it to be competitive, and you want everybody, you know, at the top to be in it um, down to the last game. Um, obviously, you then had to go um, – well, I actually the, did the uh, – hold on. I'm looking at the wrong – yeah, no, did the tournament come through you guys or St. Joe's? St. Joe's. Okay. St. Joe's. We, were the, we were the second seed, and so Emmanuel that's right. um, came, came to us on that semifinal night. Uh, you know, they're, that's right. they, they have two really great seniors in Sarah Higgins, who was a player of the year, and Lita Negri, who did a, you know, a great job of coming off of a, um, a knee injury from the year before. And so, um, you know, they came in as seniors do and, you know, and, and performed well, especially down the stretch in the fourth quarter. It was um, back and forth and a, and a great finish, uh, you know, early in the year. 
Um, when we beat them, we happened to make more plays in the fourth quarter, and, and this time they made more shots in the fourth quarter. And obviously you also set the record for the most wins in the uh, in school history. I mean, there's got to be a buzz on campus with not only what you've been able to do, but also the men have been able to do this year. Absolutely. It's created a lot of excitement. Uh, you know, getting more fans in the gym is always nice, you know. Um, you know, seeing more people around the campus and the community who, uh, you know, are, you know, congratulating us and wishing us luck. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's great to have that, you know, shared experience with our men's team as well. We have a, a good relationship and we support each other. So, um, you know, wish them the best in Plattsburgh this weekend. It was funny that we're both, you know, heading out, you know, <laughs> into New York yeah. as we are. And yeah. so, uh, you know, hope, hopefully we'll both be, you know, returning Sunday morning um, if everything goes well. You got a tough challenge ahead of you. You do have Rochester at their place at what is the famed Palestra for starters. <laughs> Uh, but and obviously, I think you probably already had your first practice there. What'd you think of the place? Yeah, I've always wanted to play at the Palestra, whether it was in Philadelphia or here. And so, true, um, you know, yeah, it's it was good. It was good. You know, the team had a great practice today. Um, you know, I, coming into it, we had uh, you know Jenna Duran is our assistant coach. Her brother was a coach and player here. Um, Cherise Galasso, who's the head coach at WPI. Congratulations to them. They won a great game in the New Mac, and they're go, uh, going down to play Strand. But I worked with her at WPI for two years, and she's from here and went to U uh, Rochester as well. So uh, they gave us some secrets and, and some and some tips and some pointers on mm-hmm. you know what to expect. And so uh, we walked in, I think you know pretty prepared, but um, you know it was nice to get on the floor and, and uh, you know have the team make some shots. Nothing like playing what feels like inside an, a hockey rink in some extent, <laughs> uh, an old school hockey rink in some extent. What do you yeah. expect of Rochester? Oh, uh, they're good. You know, they're good. They're very good. Um, you know, what 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 they do and the, you know, the post that can score for them, um, you know, that's going to be a challenge for us. You just look at the rosters and the sizes of the players where, you know, we're a little bit undersized uh, in comparison, um, you know, so, you know, the UAA, you know, every game for them is, is a, is a tough game. It's a top notch game. And so we know that they're going to bring their A game, obviously hosting and, you know, and, and being at home, I'm sure they'll have a good crowd. So, um, you know, as any underdog or, uh, you know, lower seed can hope is, you know, keep it close, and uh, try to you know try to win the game in the fourth quarter. Well, coach, I appreciate you coming on the show and talking about your squad. Um, I, I joked with the men's coach. I don't know how your squad can stay in shape considering you're at one heck of a culinary school. Um, <laughs> I but, think the coaches have get the worst of that. Yeah, probably. But I um, I almost petitioned the NCAA to make sure one of you hosted just for the opportunity for the. Uh, <laughs> For the buffet in the hospitality room. Hey, you know, you always have an invite. Come yeah, on, thank you. By. Absolutely. Thank you. I will drop by someday. Don't be surprised. <laughs> yeah, um, of course. In the meantime, though, I always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Um, you know, just uh, looking forward to seeing a, you know a, a solid NCAA tournament from everybody. Um, you know, being a part of it for the second year, um, our, our players and, and our coaching staff, our university. You know, um, you know, super excited. You know, enthused about this because we know you know it doesn't happen all the time, and so we're 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 here to make the most of it um, and get the full experience. Well, congratulations! Like I said, good luck in the tournament, and uh, at this point, yeah, I mean, terrific job by both Wildcats programs, and and we congratulate you on that, and look forward to seeing what happens next. All right, thank you, Dave. Take care. Uh, joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, presented by the City of Salem, Corey Bullard, the head coach from Johnson & Wales women's basketball team. Again, they are 24-3 and on the season, 10-1, and they finished in conference, ended up falling in the semifinals, but got in that large bid, taking on Rochester in a tough challenge at the Palestra. We'll see how they do in Rochester coming up tomorrow.
I'm going to take another break. When we come back, we got two more sets of guests coming up. Uh, we'll head back to New England and talk to Springfield men's basketball Charlie Brock in the NABC Coaches Corner. We'll talk more about than just the tournament teams. We'll also talk about the NABC and its importance, especially for coaches, young coaches out there who may not be involved. And then we'll go back to the basketball and talk to uh, um, Gary Gresh, head coach at St. Norbert, and then wrap it up. Uh, we got a little bit of a video to show you out of Whitworth, and we also have to give you our final four teams along with who we think are the surprises and maybe who may be the disappointments in each of the quads of the men's and women's bracket. With that, you've been listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. We'll be back with more Hoopsville following this. I'm a Division Three student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. Division three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division III athletics affords students the opportunity to you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. How it wouldn't change it for the world. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. We've spent a lot of it so far talking to the uh, teams who are in the NCAA tournament and playing as soon as right now. Obviously, talk to Harden Simmons earlier in the show, and we'll get a scoring update in their game against Texas Lutheran coming up. You'll listen to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. Uh, if you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. I'm uh, going to take a little bit of a uh, sidestep here. Uh, still talk basketball and still talk to a basketball coach, but one who's not in the tournament, mainly because this is our NABC Coaches Corner, which in the last week has taken a little bit of a, a step to the side, obviously with the craziness of the NCAA tournament the end of the regular season. But we're getting it back on here and want to talk to somebody who's heavily involved in the NABC, but more importantly has played a number of the teams in the Northeast and maybe can give us a little bit of an idea of what to expect out of there. So joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline is Charlie Brock, head coach at Springfield College. Charlie, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Thank you, Dave. Nice to talk. Absolutely. Appreciate you taking the time. Um, first and foremost, let's just talk about the season. After three straight uh, NCAA tournament runs for the Pride, unfortunately fell short this season. A bit of a rough one for you guys. 
It really was, and, and uh, I won't go into detail, but we have some, after 38 years, I still had some firsts happen this year. <laughs> um, we lost a couple of games at the buzzer. We lost one without making a couple of free throws we could have won, and um, we we had some difficulty sustaining good basketball for 35, 40 minutes, and there were a number of times that it came back to bite us in the end against really good teams. We played uh, we played six of the teams that are in the tournament from the Northeast, and a couple of them twice. So, um, you know, competitive schedule, and you gotta you gotta you gotta take care of business when you're playing that kind of a schedule. Well, obviously, the Numac has been tough the last few years, especially you guys have been part of the reason it's been so tough. And and you mentioned the other teams. You don't you don't shy away necessarily, and you're out of conference. Uh, you played Trinity of Connecticut. You played Husson. They're both in the tournament. Played. Uh, WPI and Babson, obviously, in-conference play. MIT, who just missed making the tournament, uh, another team that was certainly challenging this year, uh, along with others. How do you see those teams you play in the NCAA tournament faring this year in the in the NCAA tournament? Well, it's very interesting. I think that the teams that we played, we tried to play teams, we try to play the best teams in the prospective leagues in New England that we can, and, and quite frankly, I think that helps prepare whether you win or lose them. You're preparing to for playing against the best teams in the country at the other end of the season. Uh, we had Keene State early, and they got us pretty good. We had Hudson in our tournament, and they got us with a three-quarter court, quarter court bomb that you've got on your uh, yeah. whatever those recordings. Uh, you know, buzzer your beaters, yeah. Buzzer beaters, yeah. yeah. We're in there. Um, <laughs> Sorry, buddy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Jeez. And that was it was a back-to-back situation in our tournament, and they got us the first night with that, and then the next night Brandeis made it ran a great play with – seven, eight seconds left and hit a shot at the buzzer to win that game. So we had a couple of them back-to-back and kind of reeling. We had some young kids and, and uh, didn't didn't uh, mentally fare very well with it. And so, But I think, I, I, you know, I saw Amherst uh, play Westfield early on. Amherst is really good. They're really talented. They shoot the ball extremely well. I think what you have in Husson and Keene are very athletic teams. Uh, WPI and Babson really execute well. Fitchburg's another one that's got some very good athletes. And then Trinity in the uh, in the NESCAC uh, is is kind of a combination of both. They're very athletic and they execute really well and play great defense. So uh, it'll it'll be really interesting to see how that all goes down in uh, in Amherst and uh, the other ones. Where's the other one? It's at uh, Platts- Plattsburgh, and then there's another one going Tufts. on at Stockton. You got Keene State, yep, uh, and then Tufts, who yep. I did not see, but. Uh, uh, you know, they, he, Bob's a good coach, and he's. I'm happy for him. Uh, he's back where he belongs. Obviously, the new the the Northeast has certainly been full of really good teams, especially out of the New Mac and the NESCAC, and a couple others from other conferences. I I sense this year. Maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong here. That it felt like the the uh, the parody and some of the of the good teams are starting to spread out a little bit more in the Northeast in the in at least this season and maybe moving forward. You're talking about the different leagues. Yeah, moving into the different yeah, leagues, you seem um, to see some know, depth. Nichols, Nichols, you know, it's unfortunate. Nichols uh, was was really good, had a good year, and and fell on, uh, you know, without getting to the finals in their uh, tournament. Uh, Hudson was able to do it. Uh, Johnson of Wales was able to do it, and they, yeah. you know, those teams, those teams are really good. So um, it'll, it will, we'll see what happens. You, you never know. Um, they play a lot of games in their conferences, which, quite frankly, when it comes to the strength of schedule numbers, hurts them a little bit. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm interested to see how they fare in, in these uh, different pods with 
different teams. Yeah, interesting. Alberta's Magnus got regionally ranked in the end, you know, giving another team to the GNAC. You're starting to see these teams become more competitive. The NESCAC has gotten deeper. You guys have gone through your phases in the new MAC where it's been a four, five, even six team race. This year, maybe a little bit narrower. The years ahead certainly look like they're going to be just as challenging, if not more challenging up there. I would agree. Uh, talking to Charlie Brock here from uh, Springfield College. Uh, he's on the uh, he's in the Northeast, obviously, from the new MAC conference. Uh, missed out on the tournament, but glad to have him here. Uh, Coach, you're also very much involved with the NABC. That's how I first got to know you uh, in the city of Salem. City of Salem is basically your second home, along with all the other guys uh, in Division Three. And obviously, Salem's just uh, two weeks away. You looking forward to the trip, as always? Very much so. Uh, you know, we've got the All Star Game. We'll talk about that in a little bit, I'm sure. Yeah. But uh, it's actually today is the day we start hitting the ground running because. We know uh, who who the uh, rankings are, and we're going to the kids and the coaches and seeing what kind of arrangements we can make, and that would be with the kids that uh, are on that ranking that uh, are not still playing in the tournament. Right. So uh, Thursday, this day, has now become the day where we hit the ground running pretty good. So the process has begun. Yeah, and the NABC, listen, has been a long partner of, of Hoopsville. I was trying to do the math, and it's at least – in its seventh season, if not, I think, further back than that in some capacity. You guys have been a, a tremendous friend and support of the show, uh, one that I've certainly appreciated, and, and even to the point of encouraging the WBCA to come on board. Uh, your role with the NABC, how, you know, what are you guys trying to do with the organization? Is your, is your job ever done? Well, it, 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 it's a leadership organization, um, Dave, and what I mean by that is, Jim Haney in taking over has done a great job, and he and he's a true advocate for Division Three as is Reggie Minton. Uh, Rick Letty's involved in all the things that go on, and then you got coaches on the board of directors. Bo Ryan being one of them, who's a you know he's a an ex D three guy and still still thinks highly of of all that we do. And then you got guys that are good people like Tom Izzo and Bill Self that are you know they they want to hear our voices. And, and uh, Division Three is definitely represented on that board by myself and Pat Cunningham and Gary Stewart. And there's never a time when something is said by any of us that it appears like they don't want to hear what we have to say. Uh, we're very involved in, in discussions that take place as to the rules. And uh, one of the things that's, that's gone on now in the summer meetings is that we, as a board of directors, get into a huge meeting with the uh, National Division One Selection Committee and the NCAA Rules Committee all in one room and get at it, and uh, it's just an amazing uh, kind of trade of information and opinions and, and uh, you know, all that's going on and pertinent to basketball. The NABC does a ton of funding, Dave. They, they take, you know, they do things for you in Hoopsville because of the advocacy of guys like Paige and myself and, and Pat and uh, what we believe is such a great thing that you all do. Uh, we we, we kind of got forced into starting the NABC Reese's All-Star Game yeah. a few years back because of the timing of the consolation game, which turned out to be a you know a wonderful thing, and uh, we were able to get the funding from the NABC pretty easily, uh, and that game has become to some a lot of to all the kids actually an experience of a lifetime. I can yeah. talk more about it later. They also do a tremendous job with recognition of all Americans and of coaches, and even the Guardians of the Game Awards. There are four at the convention every year, and. Typically, there's a Division Three guy involved in one of those major, you know, great awards. Uh, the learning experiences they take care of. We have a clinic at the Division Three final that's that's outstanding. Mike McGrath runs it. 
certainly at the NABC convention, there's the PDS series where they have all the clinics going on all the time. And one of the things that is my favorite is the fact that we, we meet as a Congress, which is a representative of uh, every conference in the country, and some others, including anybody on the national committee that's at the uh, national convention, and just get at it. It's it's just a, it's one of my favorite meetings of all all year long. And then with our uh, division three meeting, where we do some recognition of uh, outstanding achievement award people, there are two or three a year. And uh, Salem buys us a breakfast and you know supplies a breakfast for us. It's really good. And then the last thing that, that uh, a lot of people don't know about, and I guess I'm ranting about the benefits of being a member, which I really truly believe is definitely there's, there's certain things that are tremendous assets to Division three basketball coaches. Uh, the last thing is a benevolent fund that was created a few years back to try to – it's coaches helping coaches um, that are in some financial straits uh, and other – they'll financially help people and other assistants actually as well for people that are suffering severe strain emotionally, economically, uh, their health. Um, and it's, you know, there's an application process that actually goes through the NABC Foundation, not so much uh, like if you go to the website, it's the nabcfoundation.org instead of the nabc.com. But that's how you get involved in it, and uh, it's, a, it's a truly altruistic endeavor. That's certainly a tremendous endeavor, and, and you're welcome to rant away because I was going to mention not all coaches in Division Three are part of the NABC. In fact, I think there's a few who aren't are in the tournament not involved in the NABC, and to me it seems like that's a no-brainer decision. You should be part of that organization. It can only help you. Uh, you guys are always looking for more members, correct? Well, uh, yeah, absolutely, and, and you know, it's the professional organization that, that we are. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I think it's... It, it doesn't make sense not to be, and, and if you really want to get down to it, I think for the most part, coaches don't care about getting recognition, but I think all of us are adamant about getting our players' recognition. Yeah. And I'll give you, for instance, if, a, if, a, if there's no member of the staff, a member of the NABC, a really good player can't go to the All-Star game. Because it's an NABC-funded endeavor. Yeah, saw that a few years so, ago, actually, from a team yeah, I did. can remember, and I could yep. possibly see it happening again this year, yes, actually. Yes, I absolutely agree. Uh, I see it coming, yes. I think you and I know who we're talking about. But yes, not, I do. Not worth bringing up right now. No. Um, but, yeah, I, I, that's what I thought of instantly. That's who. That's what I thought of. Um, on the flip side of that, uh, you know, you talk about the great – I mean, geez, Salem is full of coaches when we're down there. It's it's an absolutely amazing experience to see, and you guys kind of use it as a steam – as a step forward into into the division one ranks if you were to give a spiel as to why people should sacrifice to come to salem from a coach's point of view you talk about the clinics and other stuff but but what else is it about that weekend that's so special for you guys well first of all the clinic on saturday morning is is a, is a tremendous experience and what we've done with that is is uh, we the coaches that are doing the all-star game are involved but it's also we've we've had different coaches get up and do like a five 15 minute drill oh cool and it's so cool to walk away you know it's not a long drawn out thing and it's certainly not boring <laughs> and and a coach goes out there and throws out his favorite drill and you're saying wow that's that's awesome you know um so you kind of come away with it with some new information it's great to go down there and the camaraderie that there is you know we're competing and beating heads against each other all year long and then we go down there and watch the division one tournament game starting on the thursday together uh, it's just a blast uh and the games are just always good on friday and saturday and then 
you know, for us, for some of us, we work all year on this All-Star game, and, and it kind of culminates with the uh, with that game. And it, it's always been a fun game, and it's been an enlightening situation. And you know, the kids, it, it's an amazing thing for the kids. Paige has done a great job because he's in Salem with all the things he does. Uh, Pat has been putting the coaches together for that. Pat Cunningham for years, and that's kind of turned over to Sean. Yeah. Um, Jody Sean was doing the selection uh, nomination process, and now that's going over to Jody May. Uh, I chair the executive committee, which is to say that I set up a phone <laughs> call and keep my mouth shut from that point on. Um, but the kids, you know, the kids come in on Thursday and and you know get get organized. We feed them obviously all weekend, and that the the Friday morning they do a service endeavor at a local school and go in and do a reading program. Cool. Uh, involved in the games and with the all-stars uh we bring in special olympians and that's kind of a division three ncaa uh, yeah. emphasis then and what a unbelievable experience for those special olympians you know yeah. just messing around with our all-stars they've they've come back and said that that was one of the most rewarding parts of it and then you know last but not least david as, as it is in so many situations with sport the relationships that they create in that weekend are probably lifelong relationships yeah it's just everything about it's just really, really cool. Completely agree with you. Uh, All-Star game, we've teased it a few times. Obviously, you guys are getting the ball rolling uh, big time here on selecting those who may be in the game. This was, as you point out, common admiration of, A, the consolation game had kind of gone stale, uh, and, B, the fact that the timing started to get really kind of weird. Uh, you've now got this All-Star game, which I remember even my first year, I was a little trepidatious going, is this going to be – all that we hope it's to be, and it's absolutely outstanding and fun. Right. Um, certainly a highlight and sometimes pretty uh, just amazing competitiveness near the end of a game. Yes. Um, I mean, just your thoughts on that game and where it's come from and, and how, you know, where you hope it goes. Uh, I, I, you know, I think it's, it, I don't know, it's not going to necessarily go anywhere. No, it's going to no. be what it is. But sure. it, it, that, going back on the first year and when we did it, it was sort of a no big deal and you know it was a big deal to us because we put a lot of work into it but yeah it, it it has become a very big deal and it's become extremely competitive and you know guys want their kids in that game um <laughs> so we we really got to do our homework and and uh you know there's been some situations that come up along the way as you can well imagine that uh we've had to take care of and that's a good thing i mean that means that that, that it's important to people and it it certainly should be and it uh, the kids probably don't realize the competitiveness of it until they get there, and then they yeah. realize how good the players are that are surrounding them. The other thing they do get to do, and, and it's 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 in some ways hard, but because all the kids that are there want to be in the tournament, you know, if they had their choices. And by the way, you you and I talking today, I wish you were calling me because I was in the tournament, not because I'm sitting here doing nothing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, the kids would rather be playing in the tournament. Yeah. But they go to the banquet on uh, Thursday night. That's the first event that they they go to, and they are recognized at that banquet when they do all the uh, different teams. And each of the, you know, I think each team sends a kid up and yep. speaks briefly. And it's a really nice affair put on by Salem. The food's awesome, uh, so they get to to get exposed to that side of it too. And it's just neat. It, and you know, it starts on that Thursday night, and it doesn't stop until they end up getting home. Yeah, and then we should point out it's. Uh... Give some of the seniors a chance to be in Salem where their goal was the, in the first place. Maybe not in the way they wanted to get exactly. there, but they still get the recognition on that court. It's funny because we've had kids in, in the past. We have to go to them and ask them. You know, there can be extenuating circumstances sure. like a spring break. Somebody, you know, somebody made a plan. Yeah. 
and now we're throwing an opportunity to do a game. Sometimes the kids are disappointed that they're not playing and think they don't want to do it. And, and it happened a couple of years ago where a kid said no, and then he had a chance to sleep on it overnight, and he came back and wanted, you know, wanted to go desperately. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of interesting, and and, sure. and that, it's all part of the you know it's life. It's part yeah. of life, and and that's and, fine. And the emotions of it all. Sure. Uh, I'm going to throw yep. a, a quick plug in too to the Salem part, uh, the now annual Hoopsville party uh, for coaches. We gathered together on Thursday evening as well, and we're still putting the details together. It happens to be on St. Patrick's Day, which is adding a few wrinkles to everything. Uh, it uh, is, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, it is. So you now Paige and and myself and and Mike McGrath are working on that hard uh, to to get it all de- ironed out. But there's another reason if you really Really want a reason? Come down and, and hang out with us. We have a lot of fun on Thursday. That's evening a nice day. Yeah, that's a great party you you put on that that Thursday night, and then uh, you know Friday all day is a blast. Oh, and, yeah. we end up, and then we end up with the games in the afternoon, you know, at night. Yeah, and, yeah it's, it's really time. really really good. Hey Charlie, before I let you go, I do want to ask you a few questions that we always ask the coaches in the uh, in the um, uh, NABC Coaches Corner. Do you mind having a little fun with us? I do not. Awesome. Uh, well, let's start off. What's the best co- part of coaching in Division Three? Absolutely, the practice and the kids. Uh, it's it's a it's a we were all teachers, and I wouldn't want to refer to that as if as as if Division Two and Division One don't teach, but certainly what we're doing is teaching every day. That's our classroom, and uh, that's the absolute best part of it from from my perspective. I can, I can totally see that. What's your biggest pet peeve as a coach? Recruiting. I'm going to. I'm going now. I know you are. Unfortunately, uh, we got to get players, and you know you don't have much to offer, and you're you know you're selling the school and what the programs are, and you got to find kids that are interested in, in what your strong you know your programs are at your institution academically, and um, put out a product that they're happy to be a part of, and and uh, you know are proud of, and and uh, they're not paid to do so, so they're doing it for the the want of the the want to succeed. The self-motivation of getting it done. Uh, sure. It's pretty cool. Yep. Um, the next one I'm asking, the next two I'm asking, I'm, I'm, I'm under the two, I got to preface it with two things. First off, uh, you used to be on the rules committee and you told me a wonderful point of view that I have, have I've stuck with from now on whenever we talk about rules. You, you preach of the idea if we're going to make a rule change, it has to be an equal effect on both sides offensively and defensively. And I've thought that's been a wonderful idea and one I think holds true for the most part. The other thing is we just went through a bunch of rule changes. So with all that in mind, is there any rule or nuance to the game that you absolutely love? Absolutely love. Yeah, something that you just maybe there's maybe it's not even a rule. Maybe it's a nuance of the game that's just something about the game that you just sit there going, you know, that's what's so cool about this game. Boy, that's a good one. Uh, I I think the the well, my favorite part of the game. I mean, I I rarely applaud. Like I'll watch a women's game, and I you know I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. But when I see a kid make a great pass. I'm loving it, and I'll do the same thing if I go out and recruit and I'll watch a kid and he makes a great pass. I almost want to clap, and we're not supposed to. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, I don't think that's what you're asking. No, you're asking no, that about is. A rule. I think the I think that two works. things happened this year for sure, and I think I I applaud them. I was I was wondering about them. One is that they're no longer making a, a count for the 10 second crossing the midline. It's going by the shot clock. Yeah. That can get a little dicey, sure. but. I think it's the right thing to do so that it's less that the officials have to worry about in that case. Uh, and I, I saw it, I've seen it a couple times now where I do like that we're no longer doing the five-second dribbling count, but that the five-second count with a guy stationary still is in effect. Sure. And I, I, I do like that. I think it's, I think it's excellent. And 
last but not least, and I, I think there's going to be some disagreement here, <laughs> I, I think it's right that we teach our players when is the proper time to call a timeout. So on a live ball, the player's got to be the one to call the timeout. Right. And we're not doing it. And so it means that we can't expect the officials to be focusing on a coach during the game. They should be focusing on the game. I'm with you. And, and those three things, I thought the changes they made, I, I, I applaud them for it. No, no I, I, I love that point of view. Um, this is kind of a, a continuation of that. Is there any rules still out there that you'd like to see changed or completely removed from the game? Well, I, I still feel the game is too physical. No, I agree. No question. Yeah. And and uh, and when you talk about off, uh, you know, the offensive and defensive side of the ball, I think when you when you if if contact, then I'll say minimized. I'd love to see it eliminated, but I don't know if we can ever do that. Sure. But minimized so that and and it goes back to the this is this came up in the that meeting I was referring to with the Division One committee and the Rules Committee, and I think it's probably why they made. The, the huge emphasis on it, that freedom of movement, that's what I love about basketball. That's, that's the one, that mm-hmm. is what I love about basketball. And when it's hindered for whatever reason, then I think it takes away from the game. Sure. I, I think it's appropriate that you're, in, you're at the Springfield College right near the, the uh, Hall of Fame of basketball uh, with mm-hmm. Naismith and all. I think that's an appropriate point of view. Sure. Um, all right, switching gears. Uh, if there's anybody who's close to you, whether it be a family member or a very good friend, whoever who who certainly knows how you coach, maybe comes to games and watches you coach, and would and would and would be daring enough to give us their opinion, what would they say they'd like to see you change on the bench, or the way you coach? I should say on you know during a game. Probably have a little more patience. <laughs> okay. I, I, uh, I, I, and, and it's interesting because, and I explain this to them, but they don't, you know, they forget <laughs> that there's a whole big difference between a freshman making a particular mistake yeah. and a junior senior making that same mistake. And I will absolutely rip into a junior senior making that mistake, whatever it is, and I'll let a freshman get away with it and, and correct it in a completely different way. Makes sense. And, and that's the way it is. Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't, think that there's I, I can't deal with repetitive mistakes so kids that should know better aren't allowed to do the same things that kids who may not know better do um this might be the same answer but it, I, who knows uh, as far as your assistants what would they want you to change they're gonna they're not gonna tell me to change anything i know that they're but in I'm position talking. to tell me what to do i'm talking to them <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm lucky. I have uh, we we get uh, a new graduate fellow every year, and they stay for two years, and then they move on. And hopefully, I got a bunch of guys out there now. It's interesting, but uh, you know, I think they're a little maybe a little shocked when they come in, and then when they go out the door, they're you know they're selling somebody else on it. And uh, that's cool. That's the way it should go. Yeah, I, I, it's fun, and, and it, you know, it's a learning experience. It's a it's a thing that Springfield does. We've been doing it forever, and and uh, it's one of the things we're about. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think there's a, a thing that I can think that an assistant would tell you that I should change because I think they'd be too scared to tell you. <laughs> yeah, probably true. I, I will give you that one for sure. Uh, final question: When you retire, because everybody retires, uh, we hope. Um, what do you hope people remember you as a coach? Do I hope they will? No, 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 no. What do you hope they will remember about you as a coach? Oh, I think I, w- I wouldn't, you know, when I, I want the program to be, I want them to remember that the program that I left is solid mm-hmm. and, and continual. It's on a continuum that's in a positive direction. I mean, I don't, 
you know, we, we, we don't have to, yeah, we want to go to the NCAA tournament every year. It's probably not going to happen. But I, I would want that program to be looked upon as one that was made competitive, kept competitive, and continues to be competitive. Makes complete sense. Well, hey, sir, I appreciate you taking the time to join me here on Hoopsville. Uh, always a joy to chat with you. I'm looking forward to seeing you in a couple weeks down in Salem. If you do remember, the, I always give the final word to the coach. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Yes, and what I really want to say, Dave, uh, I know Pat's decided that he's going to move on. We'll miss him, uh, Pat Coleman. I think I, I really just want to say that that I think that you and and D three hoops is an entity that is like no other. It's unbelievable what you guys have done, and it's un, it's unbelievable how important what you do is to us as Division three basketball coaches. It, it's just I can't thank you enough, and I can't say it in a strong enough fashion how great it is you do what you do. Thank you, sir. It means a lot coming from you, and I appreciate that. Um, I'll see you in Salem. Sounds good, Dick. Awesome. Charlie Brock. Take care. From Springfield in the NABC. Certainly appreciate him taking the time to join us. Uh, always have a fun. So if you are a coach who's thinking about going to Salem or have never been to Salem or go every once in a while, we encourage you to come to Salem. And on Thursday night, you'll find out through the NABC where we will be hanging out. And uh, let me buy you a round at least if you're a coach in Division Three. Love seeing everybody there, and we have a great time. And the games are wonderful, and the camaraderie is wonderful. It's something that, you know, a little sidetrack here. It's something the WBCA could benefit from too as well. We hope they can maybe uh, take some ideas from the NABC in that manner. Got to take another break when we come back. One more coach to talk to in the NTA tournament. It's St. Norbert's uh, Gary Gresh. He'll join us here on Hoopsville, and then we'll wrap it up, including who I think my final calls, so who I think are going to make the Final Four in both men and women, who I think out of each quadrant – will be the biggest surprise and the biggest disappointment. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Of course, thanks to the City of Salem, who are the sponsors of our hotline. City of Salem hosting the 20th Annual Men's Basketball Championship Weekend in this Roanoke Valley. Come join us as we hand out their 19th Men's Basketball Championship in two weeks. We'll talk to you more and hopefully see you there, but we'll be back with more Hoops Hope. Right after that. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities 
have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you've been enjoying the show. It's been uh, a good one, jam-packed with lots of stuff, and we uh, are still keeping track of the two games in Division Three men's basketball uh, that are underway, or I should say the one game that's underway and the other one that will begin later this evening. Uh, could be the last time we have these Thursday games in Division Three men's basketball, so let's enjoy them, shall we not? Uh, of course, Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com. We're out of the WBCA and NABC studios. We appreciate you taking the time to join us here tonight. Don't forget, Sunday we'll be back on the air at 7 o'clock Eastern time re, uh, recapping the first weekend and uh, starting our look ahead at the second weekend of the tournament. If you have questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. And of course, do not forget the Hoopsville fundraiser runs out officially tonight. We cannot extend it beyond tonight. We already did that once. Um, we apologize to any of you listening to the archive. However, you can still donate. It just officially closes tonight. We have an extension thing. It's a little complicated, but go to our website to find more information to donate to the Hoopsville fundraiser. We appreciate those who have taken the time. All right, so we've been talking to coaches all over the country and obviously just had a lot of fun talking to Charlie Brock uh, in our NABC Coaches segment. We're going to get back to a coach who's in the tournament, our final guest of the evening. St. Normant men's basketball continues to be a juggernaut in the Midwest Conference. 18-0 and on the season in the conference, 23-2 and overall. They have won 64 straight Midwestern Conference games. Uh, their only losses, not bad, to a Stevens Point early on, uh, which probably neither team really knew who uh, what what the, the future was for either program, and then lost to Alma, who's obviously in the NCAA tournament, and certainly Alma, a team we've been watching all season. Outside of that, not many hiccups for the uh, for the Green Knights, so joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline presented by the City of Salem is Gary Gresh, the head coach of St. Norbert. And coach, I'll say this first and foremost, at least I know how to say your last name. I apologize for Will on the selection show. That's okay. Not too many people get it right. <laughs> I tried to tell Will, but we are having so many communication issues that I don't think Will actually heard me say it. Yeah. Um, and, and sadly, you, what you don't know is we did that segment twice. Uh, <laughs> um, good guy at Will. I, I, I just joke. Uh, first and foremost, congratulations on getting back to the tournament. It's starting to become a joke here. You guys lose four seniors, especially on the starters or more, and uh, you, you can't be beat still. Um, this is getting old hat, and I say that tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, I think sometimes uh, maybe people on the outside and even locally here um, just kind of take it for granted. But there is a lot of hard work and a process that's in place that goes into it. And I think it's a testament to the kids in the program where kids have been in certain roles as freshmen and sophomores. And then those roles have developed and have really grown as they become juniors and seniors for us. What's really interesting, I think, is the fact that again, you know, we did joke on the on the last show, you or one of the last shows, it's all a blur, but that you know, you lose four seniors, you're back in the mix. You lose four seniors, you're back in the mix. Pat jokingly said, How many seniors they lose this year? I said, I think they lose four. Um, clearly you don't lose any, as you reminded me before we got going, but still you talk about players who get in time as their freshmen and sophomores, but when you've had that many seniors, how much time do they truly get on the floor? Yeah, well, uh, I guess the one difference um in some of the conferences, you have a, a full varsity and a full JV, and our roster um, within our conference is um, anywhere teams can have 14 to maybe 20 kids. We're at 16 kids right now, so um, they're getting a lot of experience, even if they're not getting regular minutes in the rotation. 
throughout the years, too, historically. We've played 10 guys regular minutes, so they are getting an, an opportunity to get some experience in practice, and then certainly um, a good portion of those kids are getting into game situations as well. Um, did you expect this season? And that's kind of the question I asked last year. Did you expect last season after what you've lost? Yeah, honestly, this was a little bit unexpected. Um, of the kids that will be playing in our regular rotation, just two of those kids saw significant time at the end of the year. So the whole um, the whole NCAA tournament, conference tournament, postseason play is quite new to a lot of these kids. So if you would have said at the beginning of the year that you would have an opportunity to win the conference, win the conference tournament, and even host an NCAA pod, I don't know if that was possible at the beginning of the year. Um, two blemishes on the schedule. Stevens Point, the beginning, and as I said in the introduction, I think a Stevens Point team who didn't quite understand how tough this season was going to be, and maybe a squad for you guys who didn't know how good this season was going to be. A very, you know, a bellwether game for both programs. Seemed to shake that off, and then Alma tripped you up 82 65 midway through the season uh, as we were about to turn the calendar to 2016. What have you guys taken from those two games in particular moving forward, and can you still tap into that now? Well, definitely. I think anytime you 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 lose a game, you gain a lot of experience from that. Um, even in our first um, six games, you go Oshkosh, UW Stevens Point, Monmouth within the league, Ripon within the league, and then Lake Forest in our league. Those were all one possession games, and then the Stevens Point game. Obviously, we lost that one. So. I think early on we gained a lot of confidence playing in those close games, just getting that experience with a young group. And then certainly in our Christmas tournament, uh, losing to Alma, um, they were a very complete team. Um, they're in the postseason this year. Um, it was a tough matchup for us, but we also learned from that and saw what it's like um, going against a really quality opponent um, in a championship atmosphere on, on the back-to-back nights of our Christmas tournament. Um, you have lost a grand total of six games in the last three seasons. I mean, you go back to 2013 season and you lost six total. Um, how hard is it to stay motivated when you guys win so often? <laughs> well, it's not hard to stay motivated from my point of view, but um, <laughs> so, sometimes the kids, and you get in a game where you're up maybe 10 points or 15 points, and all of a sudden, they start to play the scoreboard, uh, especially with a younger group. But I think as the season has gone along, I think they've begun to understand the importance of each and every possession, each and every half, and each and every game. So um, it's still a learning process with these guys. I I do have to remind myself that it's a younger group. Um, We're starting three juniors and two sophomores. So um, there's still room for improvement with these kids, even late in the season. Obviously, you've blitzed through the conference. Um, Carroll's probably happy to go to the to the uh, CCIW. They actually may have a chance to beat the top teams there. And I say that tongue-in-cheek, too, because I'm sure the CCIW feels otherwise. Um, you guys have won 64 straight games uh, in the conference, 62 conference games, uh, scheduled games in a row, D3 records. Um, is it? And obviously, some of these have been tight late. Is that a sign that... Uh, you guys have it's hard to to kind of keep you at the foot on the floor as it were because it is it can be very hard to do that or is that a sign that the that some of these teams like Carroll are are really improving in in comparison to yourself well i think a, a little bit of both um to to get that type of streak over the course of three and a half seasons um obviously you have some tremendous players in your program um we've been fortunate to win a number of close games 
Um, we've survived a couple of injuries and sickness during the middle of the winter. Um, and then you catch a break. Uh, early in the year, we caught Ripon College um, in, in a two-point game without their um, second leading score. Um, last year, we won a triple overtime game at Lake Forest early in the season. So I think a combination of the both. But when you get in the league, everything is magnified. I think the quality of our league and certainly the top four teams in the conference tournament and even Carroll, um, who was second in our league, was deserving of an at-large bid. So anytime you get in conference play, it's, it's tough to, to win games. Two years ago, you guys made the NCAA tournament and made a splash by beating Ohio Wesleyan at Illinois Wesleyan 87-79, and then the Titans unceremoniously punted you from the tournament 84-68. Last year, you then, at home, got a chance to host due to the St. Thomas not being able to host. Elmhurst and you guys played an epic uh, triple overtime game. Uh, You lost 110-98, unfortunately, in the first round. Of course, Elmhurst then lost to Northwestern in the next round, probably because of you guys. Um, how much are you guys itching to, to get out of get out onto the second weekend now uh, and especially get back to the second round, essentially? Yeah, I think uh, that that's always, well, you start out your goals at the beginning of the season, qualify for the top conference tournament, and it's not a given because only the top four teams within the Midwest Conference make the tournament. And then you want to put yourself in a position to host the conference tournament by winning the regular season, and we've done that. Um, So I don't think at the beginning of the year any of the kids were thinking about going to the Sweet 16. I think their goals started out small and realistic, but now that we're here and have an opportunity to host it and be at home in that atmosphere, um, a number of the kids um, were on the bench last year. Two of those kids were in the rotation last year that played in the game against Elmhurst. So it's just a tremendous opportunity to be at home. You don't know if you're ever gonna gonna have that opportunity. Um, last year, things really fell our way, where St. Thomas's women were designated yeah. as worthy of hosting. So they shipped St. Thomas over here, and we were able to get the home game. Unfortunately, we didn't take take advantage of it against Elmhurst. Um, and to be honest, in that triple overtime game, I don't know if anyone would have a lot left in the tank to have played that next night against Northwestern. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we should mention, uh, this is your fourth straight tournament, the the one back in 2013. You guys had a 14-point lead at halftime on Wheaton before they came back on you guys. Of course, that was on the road, too. But back to the home thing. Again, you did host last year because the St. Thomas women had priority and St. Thomas men's pod basically got shipped to your place. Northwestern ended up being the uh, team that became the Cinderella, defeating uh, um uh, St. Thomas, and then defeating Elmhurst, who obviously was gassed in the second round to make it to the Sweet 16. You guys are back to hosting this time, you know, straight up. No, no adjustments of, of tournaments. And Northwestern is back, though they're playing yourselves. What do you expect, and how excited is everybody on campus? Well, I think people on on campus are excited. We had a great atmosphere last weekend um, with the conference tournament. And being an NCA event, um, and none of the tickets are free. There's no comp list, but right. we got a sponsor locally to sponsor each and every, um, actually the first 500 students that oh. want to come to the game, Nicolay National Bank. So nice. we're pretty fortunate um, where these kids are going to be able to come to the game for free. And it is a great electric atmosphere. Um, we got a little bit of an older gym, Schultes, but when you fill it with a, a nice crowd, um, it's a great environment to play in, even though it's a little bit of an older gym. Sure. Uh, certainly sounds exciting nice of the uh, local sponsor to step up and help the student athletes out there or the students period i should say uh and let them get to the game 
what do you expect? I mean, is this isn't necessarily the same Northwestern squad who pulled those upsets off last year, but it's at the same time not necessarily the same squad you guys lost last year. So, you know, what do you expect from tonight uh, from Friday night's game? Yeah, they actually return quite quite a bit from last year. They're a very experienced group. Um, they start three seniors and two juniors, so those kids have been through it, have a lot of experience. Um, they're they're very skilled a, a lot. They remind me a lot of Alma, where um, mm. they have very good shooters on the perimeter. They have some inside presence um, inside. They shoot a high percentage from the floor, about fifty percent. They shoot a high percentage from three. Um, they run a lot of motion. They they take care of the ball. They really kind of play the right way. They're not going to beat themselves. Um, I don't think they're going to get rattled. They just kind of kind of run their stuff and play the the way the game's supposed to be played. I really have a lot of. Um, admiration for Tim Groves and the way they do things there at Northwestern. Well, looking forward to the game, to say the least, and obviously plenty of excitement there in Wisconsin with you guys, and uh, looking forward to seeing how it all plays out. As always, Coach, I do give the final word to your to the guests. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? No, we're, we're just blessed to have the kids we do in our program. Um, tremendous volunteers on our staff. We don't have one full-time assistant, but a number of volunteers that really have a passion for the game. And that's what our program is about, the kids in the program and, and really our volunteer assistant coaches. Well, congratulations, uh, despite it all, as it's uh, as they say. But despite it all, congratulations. Tremendous run through the season. Uh, to, uh, congratulations on the uh, hosting opportunity, and, and good luck this weekend. Thanks for having me on, Dave. Absolutely. Gary Grass joining us from St. Norbert, the number 7th-ranked Green Knights, of course, uh, ran through the conference at 18-0, three-game lead in the conference over Carroll, who, again, will de- be departing for the CCIW next season. Uh, on a tear, they have won 14 straight. Can they make it 15? Well, they'll take on Northwestern, 8.30 Eastern time, 7.30 local time uh, in uh, at St. Norbert. That game, part of the first round of the NCAA tournament at St. Norbert. Looking forward to seeing who moves on to the second round on Saturday. When we come back, we wrap up the show, answer your questions, and Dave gives his predictions Uh, in each pod of who may surprise, who may disappoint, and who will be in the Final Four on the men's and women's side. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Thanks to the City of Salem for the hotline support, as always. We'll be back with more Hoopsville right after this. With every basket and every stop, the skill of elite student-athletes will be on display. The sights, the sounds, the intensity of an NCAA championship. It all comes down to this moment, and the winner takes it all. Be there to share the experience with your family and friends. The 2016 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 18th and 19th at Salem Civic Center in Salem, Virginia. Visit NCAA.com tickets to score your championship seats today. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. 
And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you've enjoyed the show. You can reach us uh, via Twitter at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. You can join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. You can even email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. So I just tweeted out, I've been teasing it all show, that I was going to show you this great story about the Wizard of Whitworth, George Valley. Great story from w, uh, SWX. Turns out the video will not work on our system. <laughs> Uh, this is one of those things where you have all your ducks in a row, you've checked it all off, and the one thing you forgot to do was grab that video and make sure it was in the right format. And, folks, we're not talking like it was completely wrong format. We're talking about some small, little, stupid, dumb thing that our production thing doesn't like about it. So deep in the in the system, it's not funny. Um, because on the outside, everything looked fine. Anyway, I'm not going to be able to bring the segment to you. I apologize. I literally just tweeted it. Um, and I apologize. We will find a way to do it. Uh, it is on the on our, our our D3 Hoops page, and we'll find a way to tweet it out later. And if, if Whitworth were to get through the weekend, maybe we'll bring it back on Sunday, uh, even though it's a little... I don't know if it's dated or not, but we'll double-check. Uh, so I apologize. With that in mind, though, we do have the picks, disappointments, and surprises from each group that I'm going to do, and then we're going to wrap up the show. Don't forget, Sunday we'll be back on the air at 7 o'clock Eastern time. So looking forward to uh, being back here. Um, I'm heading out for the weekend right now. looks like I'm heading to Ohio. Looks like I will do John Carroll and Marietta. Well, I'll stick to one place for the whole weekend. I will go to John Carroll for the opening week or the opening games, and then I'll head to um, Marietta for the uh, second round games. That's the plan right now. There is some weather moving into the area. May disrupt those plans as great as they sound, et cetera, et cetera. But we'll see how it all plays out. Um, want to thank our guests so far. We'll go through the list in a minute. So far, I mean, those are our guests. We're done with them. <laughs> we're not. We're not going to have any more. So thanks to them coming on. We'll get to those things in a minute. Let's go through the brackets though. By the way, quickly before we go though, we do have a scoring update. I want to keep track of what's going on uh, in the uh, Division Three Men's Championship Tournament. Six thirty-three left to go in the second half. Harden Simmons leads. Texas Lutheran, 76-66. Uh, it's been a pretty tight game um, for about the first half. Harden-Simmons has kind of been pulling away since then. About the 30, they got up about 33-23, um, and that's kind of where it's been staying the rest of the way. They've led by as many as 13, I think. Um, so back and forth game. We'll see how that progresses, but 6.33 left to go in that one. Harden-Simmons right now with a 10-point lead. Don't forget the other game, Chapman versus Whitman. That one's starting up at, uh, in, uh, if you're watching me now, that starts up in about 35 minutes. We'll keep tabs on that off the air, <laughs> as it were. All right, so let's talk about the brackets. Yes, these teams are already playing. That doesn't change any of my opinions. We will start, though, on the women's side of things with their bracket and what I think here. So we're going to go each quad um, the upper left, the upper right, the lower left, and lower right quad. And we're going to talk about who I think will be a surprise, who I think will be a disappointment, and who I think will get to capital for the championship weekend out of each quad. Of course, the upper left quad is Thomas Moore's quad for the most part. Other teams in there to certainly keep an eye on and see how they play. Uh, the Lynchburg, Birmingham, Southern, Maryville, Mary Washington pod is interesting. Um, we talked about that on Monday. Another team out of there is Hope, obviously, Wash U, certainly, to keep an eye on. So here's my thought. Uh, first off, Thomas Moore comes out of that. That's not a surprise nor a disappointment. Um, I think uh, the disappointment may come 
from uh, well, really, the, let's let's go with a surprise. That that might be a little bit better uh, leap forward, maybe um, than anything else. Uh, I think our surprise might be. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Maryville. I think Maryville might actually um, get all the way and give Thomas More a bit of a game. They meet in the Sweet 16 with a chance to get to the Elite Eight. I don't think Maryville wins that, but I think they get past Mary Washington. I think they get past Lynchburg and Mary, Birmingham Southern at home. Maybe that's not a, a tremendous surprise there, um, but that's kind of where I'm leaning. There was another section I was leaning for a surprise, but the Hope Pod. I just don't think anyone's going to surprise out of that. I think the disappointment, unfortunately, is going to be Wash U, and I don't mean that because they're dis- going to be disappointing, but they got to get through Hope at some point in the Elite Eight, and uh, I or Sweet Sixteen. I apologize just to get on to the Elite Eight, and I think it's going to be Hope versus Thomas More in that Elite Eight game. Uh, I'm not going to call Hope a disappointment. That's where I was leaning because strictly because you're running into Thomas More in the Elite Eight. I don't think you're a disappointment at that point. You're not in the Final Four, no, but the bracket's set up in a way that I don't think. Uh, anything's, you know, it's not going to help. Uh, the disappointment that would happen is if Thomas Moore doesn't come out of here. But that's not my pick. My pick is uh, Wash U, just because I just don't think they get past the Sweet 16 as good a season as they've had this year. My surprise, we're going with Maryville, but really I don't see a huge surprise coming out of this pot, this quad to begin with. Um, the lower one is the Amherst on the top one. Um, you also have other teams in here like Rowan, uh, Stevens, um, and others. NYU certainly in Rochester. Here's my pick um, to get out of this. This one's a little bit trickier, and I may have to back up. Let's talk about a team that may be really surprised. I think it might be NYU, and this seems a little weird, but considering how they finished the season to be 18-7 and seven with six losses in their final seven games, I think NYU is going to be the surprise. I think they get past Bowdoin, uh, and I think they're going to end up uh, figuring out the Rochester thing, though the, ironically enough, on my bracket, I have Rochester winning the Rochester-NYU game. Um, which most likely would be played uh, at Amherst, by the way. Um, but I have a feeling NYU may be the surprise out of this bracket. I think the disappointment will be Bowden. I think Bowden fans are gonna are really anticipating a great season here, and I think Bowden will be a disappointment because I don't think they get out of the second game. I think NYU knocks them out here. Uh, yes, I thought about going with Geneseo as a surprise, but I think the Geneseo story is different, and I don't want to really label them with that. Coming out for the uh, entire weekend, though, I think it's going to be Amherst. I think Amherst gets back to another Final Four uh, yet again. Upper right is Scranton's pod along with Muhlenberg. You also have Montclair State in this one and Tufts. This one's kind of a, a bit of a beast, to be completely honest with you. I think this, uh, the um, the uh, disappointment will be Scranton. And it's not because Scranton is a team that will will unfortunately um, lose uh, and thus be a disappointment. And it's not that I'm against Scranton. I think it's terrific. 27-0. I think the expectation is so friggin' high at 27-0 that I think I, uh, people think they're going to come out of here. Um, I think they're going to trip up in the second weekend. I think they get through the first weekend. I think they beat WPI. And I think they'll have uh, an easy, not an easy time, but I think they'll get past Marymount or Cabrini. They match up well with those teams. I think it's the next weekend they get in trouble. They're either going to see Christopher Newport or more likely Muhlenberg. And I think that's going to start giving Scranton a bit of a heart of a problem. And if they happen to get through that, then it's either Montclair State, Albright, Tufts, or um or or New England or somebody else and I just don't think Scranton gets to the final four. Uh, I think at 27 and 0 everybody thinks they should get there. I don't think they will. I think they'll end up being 
a quote unquote disappointment. And again, I'm using that term kind of loosely, folks. They're not going to have a disappointing tournament in the grand scheme of things. I just think at 27 and 0, the expectations are so high for Scranton that they can't achieve them, if that makes any sense. That's why they would be a disappointment. They just can't achieve um, the, the, the expectations in front of me, uh, in front of them. The surprise, I think, will be Albright. I think Albright can beat Montclair State. Then they've got a game against Tufts or New England. I think on my bracket, I may have gone with Tufts, but in, in, in looking back at it, I think Albright might be able to get out of this and get to the Elite Eight. I think they'll be the surprise of this. The only other surprise B would be if Muhlenberg's able to beat Scranton, then they're going to be the surprise. Yes, at 24-2, and two, but I don't think anyone's giving them any ability to get past Scranton. I think they can do that. Uh, there's also a potential Christopher Newport being a surprise out of this group. There's a lot of options in that upper right. Lower right, uh, I think the disappointment will be George Fox. Now, understand what I mean by this is the expectations for George Fox have been so high for so long, for so many years, that I just don't think this team's living up to it. Um, and I mean that in the sense that they didn't think they'd be undefeated this season. They thought they would take their lumps this year with a relatively young team. I just don't think George Fox gets back to the Final Four. And as that, as a result, is a is a would be a quote-unquote disappointment. And I hate, maybe we've got to find a better word than disappointment because the last two are certainly not in that in that vein. But I don't think George, I think George Fox gets to the second weekend. I think they beat St. Norbert and I think they will beat either Stevens Point or DePaul. The next weekend will probably face off against Texas Tyler, though certainly there's some others in that group that are going to cause, uh, that could make that a challenge. I don't know if can George Fox get past even that game, let alone an Elite Eight game. And that's where I say George Fox will be a quote-unquote disappointment. My surprise pick out of this would actually come out of the Texas schools. If Texas Tyler can't come out of here, don't be surprised if 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 it's if it's either Claremont Mud Scripture Te Trinity Texas that makes a run. Tyler's a good team. I just don't know how tested they have been. Um, and as a result, I'm I'm kind of curious if, if someone can be out of there. The other surprise that could happen here is Wartburg too. Warburg might surprise some people, but really I'm leaning back towards that Texas, California pod. Um, I think Texas Tyler, nothing against the banana slugs gets past the first game, but then Claremont Mud scripts or Trinity, I think ends up being a surprise. One of those two, whoever wins basically Friday's game, I think is my, is my surprise pick. I think that's a pick them, believe it or not. I'm leaning towards Claremont Mud scripts. I think Claremont Mud scripts can beat Trinity, Texas, even though I really like Trinity, Texas's team. And on Monday was leaning towards Trinity, Texas. I'm literally coin flips here on a lot of this. Um, and my pick to come out of that is River Falls. I think River Falls will surprise. Actually, I'm sorry, Oshkosh. I, I picked the wrong one. Oshkosh. I think it's going to be Oshkosh River Falls uh, in the Sweet 16. And I think Oshkosh comes out to go to the Final Four. So my Final Four picks are Thomas Moore Amherst. Um, and I'm going to go with, in the upper right, as, as crazy as that is, I'm going to go, since I picked Albright as a surprise, um, I, I guess I got to go with Albright in the upper right. Uh, even though I'm really, I feel like it, maybe it's more like a Tufts uh, in the upper right. And then I'm going to go with uh, uh, Oshkosh in the lower right on the women's side. Sorry, that was a little bit more chaotic. The women's thing, I think, in, 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 believe it or not, it's got a little bit more parody than I think people realize it has. I don't think it's as chalk as it will normally be. As for the men, let's talk in the upper right-hand corner. Um, this is the Benedictine group where Texas Lutheran and Hardin-Simmons are playing now. Uh, I actually picked Hardin-Simmons to win this first game and move on to Benedictine. And actually, tonight, thought about changing this to Hardin-Simmons over Benedictine in the second-round game. The system just won't let me. It closed earlier than I thought it would. Um, but let's go back and talk surprises 
and um, uh, disappointments. Uh, this one's tough. I think I, I think I'm going to have to lean towards um, as a disappointment. This one's tough because I I'm leaning towards either John Carroll or North Central. Reason being is how far can they get? I think it's going to be John Carroll as a disappointment. I think North Central can beat them in the Elite Eight game, getting North Central, I mean, to the Sweet 16, at least getting uh, North Central to the Elite Eight. Um, but I don't have, uh, and I, I guess I have North Central, I think, on my bracket coming all the way out. Um, I, and thus, my disappointment would also be Benedictine. I don't think they can get to the Final Four. I think some people have a lot of expectations that they will, and I just don't think it's going to happen. Uh, a surprise team would be Alma. Alma, I think, can get legitimately if if uh, they can beat John Carroll. They're the team to beat, but I think they certainly have the potential of being a surprise. Some of these surprises are kind of lame, to be completely honest with you. Lower left, this one's a free-for-all, so I'm going to come back to it. Upper right, Augustana's group. Um, this is along with Whitworth. Um this one's this one's kind of this is kind of tough, but I think this, the disappointment will be hope. Uh, mainly because the way the bracket's designed. Um, I don't think they can get past the, the Augustana weekend. I think Augustana comes out of here. Now, Augustana is ripe to be the disappointment in this group. Don't get me wrong, ripe. Uh, but then you got St. Thomas and Whitworth on the other side. This is a this is a bracket built for disappointment. It's built for Augustana to be a disappointment. It's built for Hope to be a disappointment. It's built for St. Thomas to be a disappointment. It's built for Whitworth to be a disappointment. Um, I mean, St. Thomas, Whitworth in the, in the Sweet 16 game, most likely at St. Thomas. Um, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, I think it. No, no, no. I think that might they'll end up at Augustana actually, possibly due to due to due to mileage. Um, no, I could I could be wrong. It could it could be anywhere. It could be at Augustana or St. Thomas. Um, the St. Thomas Whitworth game could be fascinating. The Augustana uh, potentially against Emory or against uh, another South team is going to be interesting. But again, I think Augustana comes out of it. I think your your surprise will uh, be coming out of the South bracket that Emory group. And your disappointment's gonna be hope only because I don't think they can get out of the second, the first weekend, as as great a season as they have. I don't think they can get out of the first weekend as good as they were near the beginning of the season. I think they can get out of there. I think Whitworth will will be a surprise only if they get to the final four. I just don't see that happening, so I don't have them on the a surprise or disappointed list. Lower right, the Christopher Newport group. Um, I've got. Um, uh, I had Christopher Newport coming out of here, but I've been leaning towards Marietta as well. Um, I think it is a um, it is a, a well, I'm going to stay with Christopher Newport. I think Christopher Newport's got the firepower. Marietta's a good team. I just think Christopher Newport's going to surprise, um, even though I don't have him ranked on my bracket that or ranked on my top 25 that way. Um, the surprise team out of here may be Lancaster Bible. I think they may surprise Worcester and they may be able to get past Catholic. That will make them the surprise team if they get to the second weekend. Um, the disappointment team here. Um, I think that's going to have to be uh, on uh, maybe on Marietta and maybe on Catholic on those two because I, I think maybe one of those hosts ends up losing on the first weekend and I'm leaning towards Catholic unfortunately I don't love that pick uh, maybe the disappointment will actually be a Stockton but what can I say and then the lower left I mean this is kind of a free for all to be honest with you lower left I think your disappointment will end up this one I think is almost on the easy side to be honest with you I think your disappointment is going to be Amherst uh, I think your surprise potentially your surprise um, could be Plattsburgh as good as they're playing. They may surprise some people and, and make a nice run here. Um, but my pick to come out of this weekend is Babson. 
I don't consider him a surprise. Maybe you do, but I think Babson comes out of it. And so the final four will be North Central, Babson, Augustana, and uh, Christopher Newport. There you go. And I could be completely dead wrong. I'm not usually good at these things, to be completely honest, because I overthink them in Division Three way, way, way too much. Um, uh, Ryan, I agree that Christopher Newport trying to beat Salisbury four times is going to be tough. I just don't think they're going to see Salisbury in that game. That's pretty much why. Uh, I think Salisbury will lose ahead of that Christopher Newport game. Uh, Salisbury's going to probably get past Middlebury. Then they got to get past Stockton. I don't know if they can. Now, granted, that sets up the Christopher Newport Stockton game. And in that case, uh, believe it or not, I'm actually going to go with CNU. I think they can do it a fourth time. I think Salisbury's going to be out of gas having to go through Middlebury and Stockton on the previous weekend. But uh, I, I just don't. And I also think they're a little bit too emotionally tied up in what happened in the championship game. I just don't see. But, you know, that's a good point. You know, if, if Salisbury beats Christopher Newport, then Christopher Newport turns into that disappointment side on that. All right, gonna get going. We gotta go because uh, I've got. I just it's been too long, and I want to get uh, doing some other things, and I got to get ready to leave tomorrow. But a minute twenty nine left. Looks like Harden Simmons is gonna move on in the NCAA tournament. They uh, lead Texas Lutheran ninety three to eighty with a minute twenty nine left to go on that one. You can keep track of that at d three hoops. Want to thank all of our guests who appeared on the show uh, from Harden Simmons, Craig Kars, and looks like they'll go on to win from Santa Clara women's basketball. Uh, Todd Kent, want to thank him uh, from Montclair women's basketball. Karen Harvey from Middlebury men's basketball. Jeff Brown uh, from Johnson and Wales. Um, I want to thank Coach uh, Bollard for for joining us on the from the women's side. Charlie Brock from Springfield in the NABC Coaches Corner, and from St. Norbert, Gary Gresh. Uh, men's basketball. I want to thank all their sports information directors as well for helping us out when they could. Uh, gonna take a break until Sunday night. Gonna go out and see some games. You should go see some games. Even if you can't get to some, watch them online. They are certainly gonna be fun to watch on the men's and women's side, and we hope you enjoy them. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. Uh, we'll be back on Sunday evening. Thanks to the City of Salem, as always, for being our presenting sponsor. I did forget to mention, we'll talk more about it on Sunday. The Jostens finalists are out, the 10 on the men and women Women's side, my voting packet is arrived. Looking forward to going through that and and viewing it. Um, but don't forget uh, that is coming up. Votes will be done soon, and uh, we'll talk maybe a little bit more of that on Sunday. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Appreciate you taking the time. Uh, it's going to be a fun weekend, so go out and enjoy it. If you can't go out and enjoy it, like I said, sit back with your computer and watch the games at home as well. Thanks for everybody for tuning in, and we'll catch you here on Sunday night.